Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think going out for the first inning and then taking taking the whole environment in, looking around, soaking it in, I think kind of calmed me down a little bit. Just win, baby. Let's get nasty here on a Monday afternoon. Jamie Rivers driving the bus one last time. Joined by my guy Danny Mack in-house and Bradford Burns in for Andrew Marsh. Marshy, uh, I think he was down at Bush Stadium taking batting practice today. I don't know. He took a day off. And Anthony Stalter, the Griswolds are on their family vacation before the kids go back to school. All right. Cardinals got a pretty electrifying player in their lineup now. That's Mason Wynn. And uh, Mason Wynn, 21 Let's years start old. start with this. Uh, first of all, good to see you. Good to see you too, Dan. Good to see you, Rivs. And I, I want to say before we get going, congratulations on your uh, your new deal with hockey, man. That's awesome. Thank you very much. It's well Appreciate deserved, that. buddy. Appreciate I mean, I, I I know that uh, the announcement was made, I, I guess officially publicly last week. Was yeah, it last yeah. Wednesday? And you and I kind of had it. Well, you definitely had an inkling. I had an inkling what was going on a few <laughs> weeks before that, and we were texting back and forth. But that's great, man. It's well deserved. You were always. I, I can say this from being on the media side. You were always so good to the media, and that's not why you get the job. But you get the job because you're good at what you do. You're well-versed. You're a hell of a player. And being good to the media helps. I, I try to tell people this all the time, and I don't know if you agree, but I, I look at if a young guy comes in, I, I've had this happen, where a young guy, young player, young professional athlete will tell him, be good to the media. As much as you want to crush somebody for asking a stupid question, don't mm-hmm. do it. Because they can really crush you. The power of the pen is serious. <laughs> yeah. it, it is. And the power now of a soundbite is serious. And you're always good to us, man. So it's well-deserved, and I'm I'm thrilled for you. You're going to do, uh, do a hell of a job. I appreciate it, man. You it's, bet, buddy. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, and I've always... I don't. I never quite understood why some players had rocky relationships with the media. I, I mean, do. I guess the the superstars get rubbed the wrong way sometimes if things aren't going well. I just always looked at it as a way to, you know, if you're frustrated with something, it's an easy way to get the word out there. Explain what you're going through, why you're happy, sure. why you're sad, why you're upset, like whatever it is. Um, I don't know. Never. I never felt the need to be difficult to deal with. But again, I also wasn't uh, important enough to. <laughs> <laughs> for people to be worried about that. Well, you can also control the narrative, too. I mean, somebody asks you a question, you don't necessarily have to answer the question. You just talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. The media just goes, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, okay. You know, what happened on that play? Well, I'll tell you what, playing with him is just a great, <laughs> it's, a, it's a dream of mine to play with him. You, how many times, well, no, 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 that's not what I asked. No, I know what you asked, but that's a great question. I got to tell you, playing with him has been amazing. <laughs> the block and bridge. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> Little bob and weave on that stuff. Uh-huh. I but agree. you were great, man, and and uh, I think that's a big reason as to why you're in the position you're in is that people respect you, but you were great to, to deal with. And, you know, guys now that are in uniform or wearing a sweater, wearing a, a jersey, whatever, uh, they know you've been there, and they know that you understand how hard it is too, and you're not going to go up there burying people. No, and, no and absolutely not. You try to educate the fans, be a little entertaining, and have some fun with it. 
that's the key right there, having some fun. Absolutely. And, uh, to to kind of segue into Mason Wynn. Now let's here. have a little fun today. Yeah. We're you jumped have right fun. into the Mason Wynn thing. I was like, hold on, bro. I know. Let uh, me get some congratulations out here. I know, but we I just figured that you know, Dan. You know I love you, baby. I love you too, buddy. Okay. All right. So Mason Wynn went three for eleven uh this weekend against the Mets and He's just an electric player. Like so, yep. when I'm watching this guy play, I and I don't know. I, I I asked this question last week. I said, "Who's the last player that you're really excited to see, young guy coming up?" And I guess Jordan Walker was the oh for sure. You know, that's an easy answer. I think Dylan Carlson back when he was Big coming time. up, people were excited. I think Nolan Gorman too. Nolan Gorman, true, absolutely. But Mason Wynn for me, Danny, and I don't know about you, he's got a little extra spice to him. You know like, why? Just we, I think this because of what we were talking about. He's great with the media already. Like, like look how he talks to the media. He's not yeah. well, you know. I'm just happy to be here. He, I mean, he gives you a well thought out answer. It's like he's a likable guy. And then you add in the fact he throws a hundred. That helps. <laughs> and he's got speed and he's got power. And it's going to take him a little bit to get acclimated probably to the major league life and and what it's all about between the white lines and off the field and all the things that go that goes into it. But. Um, a young guy that, that brings into what has been a dead season a little spark, and that's what makes it fun. I think the timing of this, too, obviously there was a specific timing around his rookie of the year availability for next year and the number of at-bats, and there were more logistics behind the call-up being when it is now than, than just having the opportunity to call him up. But I do like the fact that it's happening now. It, things are not great for the Cardinals as far as the season's concerned. We know that. I mean, they're just not great. So what a great opportunity to get this young guy up with just an electric type game. Like, did you see that one play? He went to his right and and got the ball. No, first of all, nobody thought he was going to get the ball at all. His right, your left, right now, Dan. His I got right. it. So he's going towards third. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. His right. He's not a left-handed shortstop. He's a, it wouldn't matter anyway. It wouldn't still matter. His right arm. <laughs> I'm like trying to follow you. Like, wait, his I brain was trying was, to get too too uh, Brett, tricky with his you. His brain was pretzeled there for a it second. Really was. Yeah. Okay, got it. Just right. warming up. So Thank you, Brad. We'll do a Danny Mac style here. He was moving. He went towards third base. Yes. And grabbed a ball and then hummed it over to first base. And now it's Luke and Baker at first. And he didn't play it the right way. He didn't you know catch the one hop. And he almost, like, still almost had the out. If that's Paul Goldschmidt on first base, that's an out, and it might be one of the best plays of the season. I agree. <laughs> so it was, it was deep in the hole. I know the play that yeah. you're talking about. Also known as, quote-unquote, the hole. Yeah. Yeah, deep in the hole there yeah. between short and third. He's very comfortable there. He is. And uh, he's got a big arm, and he can use that. Mm-hmm. And so when he's in the hole like that, you know, he's going to show that thing off. I think the other thing that we're going to see before the uh, – the year is over. We're going to see him come in on a ball, and he'll flick it like there's no no effort whatsoever, and it comes at about a 95-mile-an-hour bullet to the chest of Goldie. You'll see him turn a double play that he probably should not turn. I guarantee it. That's coming, too. We, you're going to go, wow. That just that That's not Tommy Edmond. That's not Brendan Donovan. That's not Paul DeYoung. That guy's got a cannon, and then he's going to have a play like that deep in the hole, and he's going to have a, a bunch of those as the years go on when you watch him, and that's when, it, you know, those are the kind of plays that separate really good players from, I don't want to say average. They could be above average, but this guy's got a chance to be elite because of that arm. Yeah, and, and watching just watching him kind of go about business this past weekend against the Mets, he seemed very comfortable. 
like some of the young guys get up there and it's a different animal. You get the jitters a little bit and you're excited and maybe you're trying to overdo certain things. Mason Wynn seemed pretty dialed in. Now, three for 11, it's not its not something that you're sitting there going, oh, you're raving about it. But he's still three for 11. He had a multi-hit game against the Mets, which is great. I thought he was comfortable-ish fine. in the box. He's but th- fine. Let me ask you this. Does it matter how he is offensively? Yes. Does it? Yeah, With this I think team, so. the way it's constructed right now. So if Mason Wynn can give you, let's just say. Well, you had Paul DeYoung, who was pretty solid at short defensively anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know, so yeah, I I, I want to see a spark. All right, I got I got I want to see the speed. I want to see a little bit of power. I'd love to see fifteen to twenty home runs. Oof. Mix in some stolen think he's bases. Got that in there? Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. I think he'll grow into his body. I think as he understands the league a little bit more and what they're trying to do to him, um, get acclimated to a full season. You know that that's something that gets overlooked too. Is that when these guys get called up and they've never played beyond double a or triple a the extended season that it is it's a, it's a long year man and they've been asked to be an everyday player down in the minors now you're, you're you've got the the bright lights of the big leagues coming on you there's just added pressure it just wears you down so expectations high i don't try to temper them i just go in with a clean slate and say hey Whatever you do, you do, and then next year get a full spring training under your belt again. You know you're the number one guy going into the season, and then get that full first season under your belt. Like Jordan Walker next year, I would expect he has a big year next year. Just get that first one out of the way. Well, we look at Nolan Gorman. If we're just going to take an example of a player. Perfect example. You know, he he had uh, a good first season. Well, he had a lot of strikeouts, and but he still had the power. But he came back this year, and it is different. I can tell you from my own personal experience, coming back the second 100%. year, like you're comfortable. You, you, you're you part of the team. You belong. You belong. You know what's going on. And like you've been in these situations now. And so your confidence level sky high. And when you're an individual that's that talented, like a Walker, like a Gorman, now like a Mason win, when you have so much talent and now you have the confidence and now you have some knowledge of what's going on. That's when that's when the player really starts to take some steps forward. I think the other thing too, Ribs, and I, I bet you would agree with this, but there's been a lot surrounding these guys too. Is here comes this next wave of young talent, and so it, it's not like this is a shock coming out of left field that oh, who's this Mason Wood kid that is uh, you know going to take over at shortstop, and they're hoping for the next decade. No, that's kind of what's been talked about. Paul DeYoung's contract was coming up. This guy's a part of the Futures game. He was a higher draft choice. Mm -hmm. He made impressions early on to where he caught people's eyes. So now you know that that is part of what has been attached to him and Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman. And it's been that way probably for a long time. When these guys go through the showcases and the various things that they played in to get drafted, there's been pressure on them. But this is different. When when it's finally, you know, you're, you're making checks that count at the big league level, there's a lot of pressure, man, that goes on that, or in the NHL, or the NFL. It's, uh, you know what, cutting time. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's you either do or you don't. And so there's the pressure of that, too. It's like, I can prepare myself as much as I can mentally to be in that spot, but until it happens, I really don't know what's about to hit me. Would you agree with that? No, I, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, it's one thing to to think you know what's going to happen, but to know <laughs> it. Then you go through and you're like, really? Yeah. And especially going from AAA real fast too. to the majors, too. And, you know, I've never taken in that bat in AAA or in the major league level. But I have watched, and it's an eye-opener for a lot of these kids to get in that batter's box and they get in there against a pitcher who can knock a flea out of the air at, yep. at will. 
and with any pitch whole, that they have. Yeah, and it's a, it's a whole new world at that point. It's, that's a, right. it's very eye-opening. So when you start looking at, well, there's a reason why guys are at AAA. You know, maybe they can't locate a breaking ball. Maybe they can't locate their fastball. Maybe they can't do certain things that the guys at the big league level do every day with just about every pitch. And when you make a mistake at the big league level, it gets hit. And not all the times from a pitcher's perspective when you're in the minor leagues, Matthew Libertor, for instance, you make a good you, you make a pitch and you miss and they miss it. At this level, that doesn't happen. These guys just don't miss. They're too good. And when it's the when it, now if you're a hitter and a guy is all of a sudden just pinpoint, you're like, man, I don't get a break in the at bat. I don't I don't see a, a 2-1 fastball piped right down the middle because he missed and he's trying to locate on one side or the other of the plate. It just it's just a different level, man. So all these things are happening as we're throwing it out there with Mason Wynn. I again I go in with a clean slate. I just let him get his feet wet, try not to put too much pressure on him. He's got enough pressure on that I'm sure he's putting on himself. Um and I expect him to have a, a nice big league career. If he's not, Danny Mac. not great. Who knows? He's Danny Mack. I'm Jamie Rivers, Bradford Bruns on the dials. The lineup is out, gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to go through the Cardinals lineup here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We know what that sound is the lineup game. All right, gentlemen, who do we have on the bump for the Pirates today? Bailey Falter. Oh, Faltzy. Lefty winless. That's the LHPL. Come Left-handed again. pitcher. Well, I shouldn't say L. I was going to say loser, but that's not Hey, nice. hey, hey, I, hey. I you don't do like, that. I didn't mean it like him. Don't do that when you're on the uh, Blues no, broadcast. No, but it's not the way I meant it. Calling people losers. Dan, it's not the way I meant it. You know? I'm just saying, I gave you a lot of praise on how you treat people. I don't want to see this uh, turn the other way very quickly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, so who do we think here? Tommy Edmond leading off? Yeah, it's got to be Tommy Edmond. I would imagine, this is my guess, across the board, I bet he does a ton of right-handed batters. Oh, why do you think that, Lefty Jim? on the mound, he's winless, <laughs> and he's going to give up some bombs, so... I'm looking at a big right-handed lineup, so I'm, I'll go Tommy, though. Bunch of big, heavy bats in yep. there. Yep, let's go Tommy at the top. All right, Tommy Edmond, please. Tommy likey. Tommy want wingy. <laughs> all right. He's crack me up, man. I, just wait. Bradford's, first of all, it's like, Marshy does a good job of hand-picking these sounders, and some of them are hilarious. Just make you laugh. Bradford today was so excited. He's really? got some new ones, and he's like, I just, he goes, I don't care if they didn't hit last game, they're getting their sounders. <laughs> Fast and loose, baby. I Fast know. and loose. I know, I like it. How All good right. is Bradford, by the way? What? Oh, he's amazing. He comes in, he, he is ready to go. Guns a blazing. Dude, I walked in, and the show was on my desk. Yeah. I was like, well, all right. Yeah. I was like, I can handle this. Saw this, I saw the rundown, I saw oh, yeah. this, I saw what I should say. It's great. No, no, Dan. We yeah. never do that. No, no, no. It's not Killing scripted just here. a few trees in the process, but hey. You know. Trust me, the fast lane's not scripted. <laughs> Some people probably wish we were, but we're not. I do. I listen. I haven't missed one of your shows. You don't. You're lying. No, I haven't missed. Dan, I've known you for a long time. You don't have to lie to me. Who were you on with last week? Because yeah, I know that Stoltz See? was out. I had, uh, well, I, we had Jamie Rivers' whack pack in here. Did you? We had a whole bunch of people. Was we, it fun? Yeah, I love it. Okay, good. We had Kerry Davis, we had Tanner Hendrickson. Uh, we had uh, Josh. 
Outman. That's it. I wanted to put output. Why was I doing Josh Outman? Who's obviously a, a close friend. No, he was a, a former Major League Baseball pitcher. Yes, he is. From St. Louis. And, yeah. Uh, he came in, did a good job for good. us. Good. Yeah. All right. All right. So in the two hole, can't have anybody else except for Goldie in the two hole, right? I, I would say yes, but he may front load this thing. It wouldn't surprise me if he does, but I, it's that's been the way it's been all year. It's got to be Goldie. It's, it's always Goldie. It's got to be Goldie. Give us gold. Come on. Seriously? For real? Wow. Goldie must have been out past curfew last night. Few not a chance. There. <laughs> I know, not a chance. Not a chance. The ultimate pro. I know. I know. That's why it's funny, Dan. I was laughing. I'd like you to laugh harder next time, please. I love that. There on. we go. That's Thank better. You. Thank you. Uh, uh, let's see. All right. Is Tyler O'Neill healthy enough to play? Oh, come on. Well, that's where you'd put him. Would it then, be? Well, then All you're right. going to drop down. Goldie's going to play. Arenado's going to play. So, Dan, yeah, go ahead. I like your thinking. Go ahead. Let's go Tyler O'Neill. You hit the nail on the head. Yes. Get a Janet. For, oh, yes. You even got Janet on that. All right. You know what I think of Janet. You love her. I do. We all love her. Want to make shirts with her on it. With her, her favorite sakes. Really? Yes. <laughs> Stoltz and I have talked about this. I want a picture of Janet with her, like, top ten, like Letterman's. Yeah. You know? That'd be great. On the back? Yes. So picture of Janet on the front. Yep. With, like, one so, word that she says. Yelling at Anthony or something. Something. Yeah. yeah. And then, you don't watch the games. Exactly. Yeah. And then on the back would be her top ten. I actually love the idea. What the H is wrong with you guys? Watch yourself, Janet. I'm talking right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be careful. All right. O'Neal is second. Yeah, he is second. And now I think we go Nolan Goldie. Nolan Arenado here. No, I think we're going to drop him. And now I, I'm saying Goldie's Holy playing, mother. and we're going one, two, three, four with these guys. But let's <sighs> – fine. If you want Arenado, no, go – no, who, who, I'm just a guest. Who are you thinking then? Goldie. In the three-hole? Yep. Wow. All right, Dan. I mean, go ahead. Goldie. Gold! Wow. Rich with gold. Gold! Dan's hot right now. Now it's can, can we do Nolan Arenado here? Now we do Nolan. Show us Nolan Arenado. Nolan is a security guard at the lumber yard. There we go. Now is it gets a little interesting. Is this Big Willie? You want him DHing? I would think I would think if he's in, he's DHing. This okay. is my thought. I I have Kisner at somewhere at the bottom of the lineup. You're keeping kids in the lineup. Then you uh, get a couple righties in there. Yes. The way he's swinging the bat. And especially with a young kid like Rom, I feel like his daddy might be the... Ooh, that's a good call. The safety blanket for these guys. I didn't think about it yeah. with that. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm with you. Let's go Wilson Contreras. Show us that big Willie. Wilson, are you naked? <laughs> no, Tim, I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, let's see here. I like we got that one, too. Edmund... Playing, got to be playing second base. Goldie for O'Neill's. So we're missing some outfielders here. So O'Neill in left. Left. Goldie at first. We're not sure about Edmund. We got Arenado at third. Contreras. We're going to say DH. I would. Uh, I would say DH at this point. Yes. Okay. So you're missing a, a shortstop. Mm-hmm. You know that one's going to be gonna in be there. That's going to be down lower though. So reverse engineering this, I see Mason win at like eight or nine, and Kisner at eight or nine as well. So we're missing an outfielder, at least one outfielder, two outfielders. Jordan Walker here, I think, at number six. Yeah, I agree with that. Show us Jordan Walker, please. Walk it like it's hot. Walk it like it's hot. All right. 
Okay, now we need a center fielder. Who the hell is playing center field for us? You could put Edmund in center. You could, but then who's at second base? Taylor Motter? Where's Gorman? He's hurt, isn't he? Still? Yeah, so he's done. And he's a left-handed bat. What about the kid uh, that made the catch yesterday? Enrico Palazzo? Yeah. Richie Palacios? Yeah. Give me Richie. All right, show us Richie. Okay. I guess we're not going to see Richie. Okay. All right. Um. Let's see here. Carlson's not going to play. No, I'm I, I'm stumped Burleson. here. Unless we have no. Come on. Okay. Well, I guess you could put O'Neill in center field. You could. You could. So, but Burley's a left-handed bat. Yeah, I'm not going to play him against that. And Burleson has been bumped up considerably higher in the order as of late. That seemed to be a bit late in the going here. All right. Uh, who the heck is Taylor Motter? So yeah. Maybe Motter's playing second base in Edmonton center field. There you go. Show us Taylor Motter. Okay. All right. Where's okay. Fermin? We, we haven't mentioned him, is have he we? still in the roster? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's still on the roster. Seven, though, would be kind of high, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's not. So then it's so going to be it's Kiz. Kisner here. Yeah. Show us the captain. Uh, oh, he didn't get a sounder today? Wow. I'm the captain now. There you go. All okay. right. Okay. So we got one, two, three. So Kisner. Four, five, six. So he's batting seventh. I would say Mason Wynn might get in. If, if Fermin is in the lineup, I could see Wynn being eighth. I think he's going to bat. He'll bat win ninth for a while. Okay. So let's see. Show us Fermin. No, we shall say yes way, Jose. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Proud of that one. Not going to lie. <laughs> Where'd you get that one, Ed? The Seminole Stiller Aniston collaboration. Let's huh? see. Was it the Heartbreak Kid or Along Came Polly? Yeah. Okay. Going back. Going back. Wow. It's good, man. All hey, right. Kazaria. So. In the nine spot, it's so our guy. So for me, it's second. Edmonds in in center. Yeah. Okay. So we and got now we got Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn. Show us Mason Wynn, please. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. All right, there we go. Mm. All right, run it for us, please. What do we got here? All right, gentlemen. As promised, we do have Tommy Edmond as your leadoff hitter, and. As we had said and talked about with respect to the lineup, the defensive alignment, and all of that, Tommy Emmon is in center field this evening. Tyler O'Neill, your left fielder, batting second. Paul Goldschmidt in the three-hole, your first baseman. Nolan Arenado is your third baseman and cleanup hitter. Wilson Contreras, DHing indeed in the five spot, followed by Jordan Walker in right field, batting sixth. And then Andrew Kisner, the captain, behind the plate, seventh. Jose Fermin is your second baseman, batting eighth. And Mason Wynn, once again, manning shortstop and batting ninth. All right. So, let's see here. Um, Danny, you're you're sitting in here for, for our guy, Anthony. Yeah. Why don't you go first today? Tyler O'Neill Against a lefty, he's going to hit a bomb. Okay. Tyler O'Neill. Maybe a first inning bomb. Wow. I like that. Yep. First inning bomb, Tyler O'Neill. All right, Bradford, what are you thinking? Speaking of pop, perhaps right off the bat, Tommy Edmond, oh, not wow. that far removed Thought from about showcasing that, that power from the right side. I like what he could potentially do to not only set the table, but do so with the power, with the lumber at PNC Park this evening. Give me Tommy Boy. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the big fundy. I think that he's such a great hitter that he's a young pitcher's nightmare, and he's going to sit there and just wait for his pitch and just destroy it. I could be wrong about this. Is he the only one that's hit one onto the uh, 
into the Allegheny from the right side, Goldschmidt. Does that sound right? Uh, sure, Dan. Well, there's the there's a river, okay, that runs behind the the right field wall. It's the Allegheny, and lefties, because they hit it that way. If they yeah. pull it, have probably the better shot to hit one over the wall and hit it into the Allegheny. Where is it for a right hand? It's an opposite field home run, Jamie, and that would be a really yeah. long home run uh-huh. for a right-handed batter. And you claim that Paul Goldschmidt has done this. I think he has. I, I could think, be wrong. I, Dan, I would I would if there's any of righty that could do it in this lineup, it's Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. So yeah, all right. I think he's the guy. That's your lineup here. We got first pitch at what time tonight? 7:15. 6 of 5 6 starts. 5 Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. That's right. Get you every time. 6:05. All right, that's your Cardinals lineup. We come back here, we're going to uh, talk some blues hockey. So, the Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. We're going to take your questions here on Blues Cues. Coming up next, 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now, it's time for the Fast Lane's Blues Cues. All right, the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. It's 2.35 here. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an official provider of Rolex jewelry. We're looking for some questions. Blues Cues right now. And again, you can text in your questions. Still have time for that to 314-399-9646. Again, it's Blues Cues. Bradford, what do we got? Jamie, the people want to know what exactly the word identity has been thrown around a lot toward the tail end of last season and obviously over the summer at this current moment as we get ready for training camp in three-ish weeks or so. What are the Blues? They're too slow, some would contend, to be a fast team, not physical enough to be a quote-unquote heavy team, maybe not even deep enough to be a high penalty team. Not exactly sure what that means, but what are they in a nutshell? Well, for me, it's a blue-collar team. And you go back to, and I'm not comparing this team specifically to 2019, but if you go back to 2019, you also had some workers on that team. They weren't a whole bunch of high-flying, talented guys. You had a couple of guys that could certainly bring the offensive dynamic play out there. But for the most part, it was a team that was heavy on the forecheck, uh, cycled the puck very well, possessed the puck very well, defended very well, and outworked the opposition. And so, for me, that's the identity of this team. If you look at the the lineup, as far as the forwards are concerned, all four lines are are pretty balanced. They're going to have some guys that can protect the puck, possess the puck, and, and certainly work hard. 
and the defensive core, this is where all eyeballs are going to be next year, is can they up their game from last year? I believe that this defensive core is going to be much better than they were last year. What leads you to believe that? Well, the back of their hockey cards tell me that. And so for Nick Letty, Tory Krug, and these other guys that had an off year last year, it's an outlier. If you look at their careers, they've been obviously much better players. Tory Krug is one of the top-scoring defensemen in the last 10 years on the power play. And the power play was just not good last year. Was that Tory Krug's fault? Probably not in its entirety because one guy can't necessarily make everything work perfectly. But I think he's, he's going to be a couple of shades of pissed off too. He was asked to wave his note. Well, rumored, because I haven't talked to Arnie. He was asked. He was rumored. Go ahead just say it, Jamie. To have been asked to wave his no trade clause, to which he said, no, I'm not doing it's it. It's quite a rumor. It's quite a rumor. So I think that right there is motivation for a guy like that to come back and say, hey, look, you wanted to trade me? This is why you don't trade me. Nick Letty, he did not have a great year last year. Colton Pareko's the end of last season for Colton Pareko started to trend upward. So that shows me that he's still got the ability. So I feel like these guys are going to have a bounce back season. Will it be, you know, astronomical? No, but it doesn't have to be. It just has to be better than last year, quite honestly. With Pareko, at what point do you just say this is who he is? You know, this is the player he is. He got a big he got a big contract. They thought maybe he might be a little bit better than what he's played to to play to justify the deal, but this is who he is. Yeah, so here's my you know what I'm saying? Here's my issue with the criticism of Colton Pareko overall from people. If you look at 6.5 million and you and you just take that across the board in the NHL, that's a great price for Colton Pareko. It's actually probably going rate. So it's, when we look at it and say, oh, I don't like his contract, go around and look at other teams. Mm-hmm. They're giving $6.5 million to guys that aren't even close to Colton Pareko. And so for me, you have to look at this guy and, and realize he's a shutdown defenseman that skates very well, can move the puck very well. He's never going to be Chris Pronger. He's never going to be there that. You go. He's never going to be that animal that we all think, oh, because he's so big, he should be. He's just not, That's just not his style of game. Now, can he bring a little bit more of that to the table? Yeah, probably. So this is a game I played last week. Not a game. The comment I had last week was when Alex Petrangelo was here, one of the criticisms was that Petro wasn't tough enough, wasn't mean enough. And everybody goes back to where Jamie Benn was sitting on him that one time in Dallas, and Petro you know, didn't do anything about it and whatever, blah, blah, blah. What did we see last year in the playoffs from Petro? Nasty. Yeah. He two-hand chopped Lehan Dreisaitl right across the forearm so much he gets suspended for a game. So where did that come from? It comes with age. And, you know, Prongs had it from the age of 21. He had it from the age of four. Probably. Three and a (laughs) half, maybe. But what I'm saying is you can still develop a little bit of nastiness in your game. And I think Colton Pareko, not that he'll end up being you know a suspended player but i still think there's there's some more aggressiveness in there that he can tap into sure that happens yeah you're right i mean as you get older you get your age you grow into the job you kind of learn some of the tricks the old man yeah man trust me i know that feeling thinking of that what year is this now for him he's been in the league for what seven years six seven years now yeah right man it seems like yesterday so well like oh it's ridiculous is when i watch colton pareko people get mad and I automatically he moves go, oh, incredibly well. You you trade Colton Pareko, you're automatically looking for another Colton Pareko. Yeah, because they don't grow on trees. So why not just be a little more patient with this guy? And he's battled some injuries the last couple of years. He seems to be very healthy right now in the off season, skating four times a week out Centene. 
I want to see what we've got here before I start worrying about, you know, can he do it or what is he or, oh, is this just what he is? Are the guys uh, skating now or is everybody back in town for the most part already? No, a lot of guys still kind of uh, out of town right now. There's about eight to ten guys that are skating for the most part on a regular basis. But next week there's going to be a whole bunch of guys coming in. So. And then camp fires up on? September uh, end of the second week, I think. Yeah, I was going to say middle of September yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's here, man right upon us it is before you know it from the 217 we all know the notes made relatively few moves during the off season so in light of that the team dynamic for the blues jamie could we see more cohesion for the blues whereas maybe it's a detriment to some other squads within the division within the conference trying to get acclimated to one another's personalities yeah i've seen we've seen that before i mean 2019 is a prime example of a bunch of guys that you know there were a lot of moves in the off season and it took that team an awful long time to gel cost a coach's job in the process so i i think it's good to have continuity i i think the most exciting thing for me is watching the second year of Jake Neighbors, watching the maturation of Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. This is the first year of their big contract that's kicking in this year. There's a lot of pressure on those guys. So I, I'm excited to see that kind of thing too. So along with being you know familiar with each other, there's also those steps we just talked about with Nolan Gorman and Mason Wynn and all these young guys for the Cardinals, just having that one year, that first year under your belt. I think that that's going to do a lot of good for a guy like Jake Neighbors. How about Thomas and Cairo? Next level for them, what is it? Well, they've got to get to the 90-point mark. 90 to 95 points this year coming up. Um, if they're going to live up to the potential of their contract, they've got to be 95 to 100-point players. So that's what's got to come next offensively. And for both players, Cairo more specifically, just a more well-rounded game. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say a, a complete 200-foot game because, Danny, it, it's, it's disingenuine. And what I mean by that is all superstar offensive players cut corners defensively. But when the game's on the line, they know how to play defense. And that's the biggest difference right now is, is Jordan Cairo has to be able to identify when it's right and when it's wrong to kind of cut those corners or cheat a little bit offensively. Because it's inevitable that these guys do it. They just have to time it properly. I have a question. Yeah. Can I jump in? Please Am do. Am I allowed to? Blues by all means. Danny Mack. Give me, give me what you think happens with Bennington this year. To me, he is the reason whether or not if he plays out of his mind, this team will make the playoffs. If he doesn't, if he's just kind of has some stretches of good, has some stretches of bad, then I, I think they're on the outside looking in. You think that's fair? Yeah, I do. I think he's going to have a great year. Okay. I do. I think that uh, defensively, this team is going to be built a lot differently from a systematic standpoint. Craig Berube and his staff were not pleased last year with the way the team defended as five-man unit out there. They weren't happy with the consistency of the forecheck, or lack of consistency, rather, with the forecheck. The neutral zone was way too wide open. They gave up the middle of the ice way too often. The D couldn't couldn't gap up, couldn't close guys out because guys are coming at them at 100 miles an hour with no obstruction. When you clean that up, it's going to limit those easy backdoor tap-ins on a guy like Jordan Bennington. It's going to limit the easy goals that sure. the other team's able to score. Because so it's for, more than just him. It's a byproduct of the system around him, 100%. in particular defensively. 100%. And I think yeah. Jordan Bennington is very motivated this year. He's a guy that carries a chip on his shoulder. All great athletes do that, and I think that he's got a chip on his shoulder for the, the naysayers last year that said, well, this is – Jordan Bennington's not the guy that we thought he was going to be, and he's one of the reasons the Blues are struggling. I couldn't disagree more for that point. 
But I also think that Binner's going to use that as fuel for the fire. Interesting. All right. Jamie, the 618 would like for you to assess the current state of the Blues farm system. Where are we now? Where are we going to be depth-wise in the next two to five years? Yeah, so the farm system got a big jolt with all these draft picks over the last couple of years, and specifically this year, which will carry into next year and beyond. Farm system's in good shape. I think Army's done a really good job of keeping the cupboard stocked with some really promising young talent down there. Uh, Defenseman-wise, did a real good job this year in the draft of picking some kids up. They won't qualify for the minor league system probably for a year or two at this point. But nonetheless, they got a lot of really good young players coming up through the pipeline here. And you'll see them. You know, Zachary Bolduke and Zach Dean probably going to start – in the minors this year, but then he'll be called up. Uh, a guy like Jimmy Snuggerud's going back to college. He'll probably play in the minors next year. So you've got some really good young players coming up. I think the Blues are going to be just fine. In particular, with the number one draft, po- draft pick, how long does that take to, from a defensive standpoint, how long does it take to develop a defenseman to where, okay, he's a first-round pick, he needs to be in the NHL by this year, or it takes two years or whatever it is? Yeah, it what takes a while, Danny. It I mean, does. that's a tough spot, man. It's a tough spot. So, especially in today's game, yep. everything is moving at such a fast pace. Yeah. And you can't defend the way we used to. You can't just put a stick on a guy. You can't just grab a guy. Now it's that's stick on, talk, it. body yep. on body. You got to try and it, – it's more angles, taking away time and space, skating them into bad ice, not giving up the middle of the ice. There's a lot that goes on. So, for the young defenseman – um, the good side of it is most of them have played that style of game coming up because all the leagues have cracked down on all those types of penalties. But the difference is that it op- the players operate at such a high level in the NHL that it takes a while to, to wrap your brain around that and to be an everyday player. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, that was Blues Cues here in the Fast Lane. Uh, We come back here, we're going to talk about our friends down at Mizzou. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Some interesting things going on at quarterback. That's coming up next here in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a a little bit less... um, involvement in the day-to-day offense and planning and scripting and doing some of those things that free me up to be more involved in special teams, maybe even more involved uh, in analyzing some things on the defensive side of the ball, uh, preparing for team meetings in a different way and, and delivering different messages. So I, I've kind of embraced that. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. That was the Mizzou football head coach, Eli Drinkwitz, addressing the media uh, following a scrimmage that they had. Are you a fan? Are you a fan of Eli? I So here, I, I am a fan of Eli Drinkwitz, the human being. Yeah, I get a kick out of this guy. Yeah. I think he's great. Am I a fan of him as a head coach yet? Verdict's still out. Yeah. A verdict's this year still could out. be a big one, too, with the two QBs and how he handles this. Well, yeah, and so here's the that's the issue at hand here. His following Saturday evenings open to the public practice and scrimmage. Mizzou head coach Eli Drinkwitz revealed that both Brady Cook and Sam Horn will see reps during the first contest. Danny, I don't know how you feel about this, but what is your thoughts on a double quarterback offense? I don't like it. I, You know, it's one thing if you were in a, 
a pass run type offense where you had one guy specifically to run next guy is there to to be a passer and passing situations whatever or even just going from series to series and saying okay jamie's got this series i got this series i don't think it's good i, I think guys get into flows i think guys mature i think they get better by by staying on the field taking their lumps you know, Cook has done that. We'll see that with Horn. Um, but I, I think you make the decision to to stick with one guy, right or wrong. You, you just say, this is my guy. I got a feeling about this guy. I'm going with him until he proves me differently. And then at that point, the, the guy that's waiting in the wings is ready to roll. Now, does that put pressure on the guy that you went with? Absolutely. But there should be pressure on every position. Everybody has pressure. 100%. So I, I think that you sit there and you say, one guy is going to get it. He beat him out in camp. That's who I'm rolling with until he proves me otherwise. And he may make that decision easy for you. He may come out and not play well against Memphis or I think they got South Dakota State or something like that. You may blow him out, but they may not have – he may not have the reads that he was supposed to make and didn't make them. He may not run the offense properly. I also want to see him – and it's not just on the individual – I think there's there's a comfort level with the guys that are on the in, in the on the line in front of them, and there's a comfort level on the running back. What are we doing in certain situations? I understand his tendencies, so there's a trickle down effect when you go away from just one guy, and that's why I would not do that. I think you put a lot of pressure on that individual, maybe unneeded. Where if you say, "Hey, I'm going to go with Bradford. He's my guy. Jamie, you're going to sit." Then hey. Brad, Bradford's going to feel pressure. Fine, Jamie's going to go. Brad, for your sitting. <laughs> wow, Is that already. Better? Yeah. But I'm going with that one guy, and until he he shows me he can't do it or isn't doing what we expect him to do, then he's out of there. And Dan, I think you've touched upon the primary difference as far as how Mizzou going into this coming campaign is going to handle maybe the quarterback situation as opposed to the backfield. Because last year, you can really poke holes in a lot of the things that Mizzou did offensively. Luther Burden, the star freshman from the St. Louis area, wasn't unlocked in the way, I think, in the manner that a lot of fans wanted to see. Now, he moves to the slot in 2023. What happens there? But it's different when you have somebody commanding the offense on a consistent basis as opposed to riding that hot hand in the backfield, which is exactly what Coach Drink talked about following the practice and the scrimmage on Saturday. I think that's been the in vogue thing to do, both at the professional level and collegially. You run the hot hand and see exactly how that plays out. But from week to week... With Luther, though, let me interject. With Luther, though, it was also him trying to understand the offense. Sure. It it took a little bit for him to get going. I think that that's that's a little bit of a misconception here by some of the Mizzou fan base, is that you know, you should have built your offense around this guy. He was learning the college game. 100%. He was learning the offense. It's his first year at the college level. Like, I, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Can he be a bigger part of the offense this year? Yes, yes. He, he, and should he should be. be and he, he better be. He better be. One hundred percent. But last year, there were some odd decisions for sure at certain times. But he's still getting his feet wet. And Jamie, you know this. I mean, when you're on the ice, and, and let's say that they said to you, "Oh, your defensive partner is player X." And then next time you guys go on the ice, it's going to be Y. And then we're going to flip back to X, and then we're going to go to Y. So it's one of the things that you do is that you rely on the guy to your your left and your right, and in this case, the guy under center. But he, everything is going through that that quarterback to where there needs to be some type of synergy on Mm -hmm. this step drop, this step drop, boom, boom. I let it go. I got a feel for it, all that stuff. And when you switch up QBs, I I just think that you're not asking. 
to have the best fluid situation that you possibly can offensively. I think that's a problem. Although, if you're going to switch up the order of things, even in-game, give multiple quarterbacks multiple series in these games, wouldn't you do so during the first quarter of the schedule in which you face primarily cupcakes? So maybe the bigger question here is, as the season evolves, as Mizzou tries to evolve past a 6-7 to win team, will this be the year? Who knows? Who gives you the better opportunity to make that leap when the SEC schedule commences? But if you're making that leap then, you're probably in trouble. That That's the way I look at it. If, I'd if like to establish if yes. certain offense. I'd like to establish a player in, in a spot before I, I'm tinkering, especially when the SEC game's coming up. Oh, if you're doing that in the SEC schedule, you're in you're in real trouble. I mean, you you got to have some kind of idea of what your offense looks like. You talk about identity in hockey. We we're talking about that. you got to have an offensive identity with the guy that's the signal caller. Mm-hmm and under center and making the decisions for your offense. And if you don't have that, and all of a sudden you switch in midseason, that means you're not doing something right or the or that player's hurt. They, those are the two reasons you would do that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all evolves here. Uh, Coach Drink is relinquishing some of the offensive playing calls. You're going to have the quarterback situation, uh, Luther Burden, all that. It's going to be fun to watch Mizzou and, and see you know what they can do this year, especially in a competitive SEC. Will you go down to the Dome and watch Mizzou and uh, Memphis? I will. I'll go check that out. I might be a little busy this year, Dan. No, they're they're playing early. Are so they playing you, early? yeah, they're playing. Uh, Dan, if you uh, if you want to pop me on the private jet with you and and take you. Well, it's going to take us from here to downtown st louis to the dome oh the dome yeah okay so, my bad my bad maybe a helicopter, a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> dare i say not to be the purveyor of doom and gloom here but that game comes on the heels of an early season test a non-conference versus kansas state which you know is going to be a game oh, opponent yeah. mizzou may well need that game very early yeah oh, they're going to need every win that they can possibly get when you're playing in the sec m-i-z-z-o-u baby you've got one going to mizzou right not anymore she graduated Done? yep Oh, congratulations. Yep, graduated uh, just this past spring. Really? Yeah. She's all grown up now, Dan. That's on, that, That's hard for me. I mean, I remember when she was just a little oh, girl, man. Not anymore. She's a, Holy she's a grown woman pursuing her dreams. What's she doing? Well, she's taking a year off right now. She's out there. She works with um, with elderly people in home care yeah. right now. And then she's great. going to uh, PA school. Physician's assistant yeah. school, and then she's going to pursue that. Unbelievable. So, yeah. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you very much. All right. Another exciting uh, moment here as well is Drew Rom gets the call tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirate, Pirate, Pirates. You wesk, we wab at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fourth round pick by Baltimore and began his pro career. 3 2, a cut and a miss. And a fastball strikes out Basabe. Just one start after he struck out 10 in five innings at Durham. Swing and miss, strike three. I'm excited to see it. I've heard a decent amount about him. Just met him before coming in here, and uh, we'll see him on the bump tomorrow. It's Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. The last voice you heard there was Ollie Marmel regarding Drew Rahm who's going to make his debut with the Cardinals tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Drew Rahm, 6'2", 215-pound southpaw. He's got swing and miss stuff, but Danny, his velo is like 90 miles an hour. Yeah, I know. It's, it's the craziest thing that 
I've seen in a while. Uh, you go back to you know, the early 2000s and 90s, this is kind of what you got. Yeah. You got guys who were pitching. Now you've got these these lightning bolt throwers. That All are, you hear is about swing and miss and velocity. 100%. Yep. So here's this guy who, I mean, look, 90 is nothing to, to turn your nose up at, but it's nothing compared to what some of the guys are bringing these days. Yet he's got the swing and miss stuff. What do we expect out of this guy? I, I think it's going to be kind of fun to watch. And sometimes you can get a guy that I don't want to say that 90 is below the hitter's zone, meaning their normal, yeah. what they normally see, you know, 94, 96. And then you get into a bullpen, it's 96 to 100. But if if he's – this is a kind of guy that if – it's called pitching – Okay, it's not throwing, it's pitching, that if he can establish both sides of the plate, elevates all of the cliches that you hear about, he's got a shot. I mean, that's that's the unique thing about this. And if, from a Cardinal perspective, what do you have to lose? You might as well find out what you got and see if he's the kind of guy that catches the, the staff's eye. And I'm not saying he's one of the guys that you're saying, oh, if he goes off here in the, the final six weeks, it, he's in your – you know, one of those three spots that you're looking to fill at next year. No, he's part of what you probably would have as hedging your bets, which they didn't do this year. I mean, they ran out of pitching. They, the pitching's been awful. They didn't have enough guys to, to come in and fill when people got hurt or ineffective. So, you know, it's just one of those guys that maybe they, they catches the eyes of the Major League staff and they say, we like what we can see, what we see, and there's some things that we can work with here, and let's see what we got. And if he pitches well, throw him back out there in five days and see what he's got. Maybe he's a left-handed uh, compliment to somebody in your bullpen eventually. But they're going to know right away, for the most part, whether or not this guy's stuff is good enough to say, yeah, this is something we can work with and this is legitimate. Do you think it's a one-and-done? Or Because, look, the reason he's here right now is because Matthew Libertor tweaked his back in a workout session in the weight room, I believe is what the media has been told. Is it a one-and-done, or do you think if he pitches good enough that Ollie's like, yeah, wait a minute here? I, I think so. I, I think if he pitches well, he could stay. And the other part of this, too, is that maybe you catch uh, – give Wainwright a day. That's another thing. You know, your your six-man rotation, you're trying to get him to 200 wins. Maybe this allows you to back him off a day. So there's some trickle-down things with this that you could look at as well. Um but I think the bottom line is, let's see what he's got. Justifies a little bit of a deal that you just made to see what you have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, here's one of the guys we got. Brought him up to the big leagues. Let's see what he's got. Um, I- I'll be interested, though. You know, 90, 90 second, third time through usually doesn't play. I'm 90, very 90 generally in generally doesn't play in the big leagues. So he better be hitting corners and hitting every spot he can finally find. Finally, finally find as he gets to the big leagues. And I don't think we're under any delusions here on August 21st, but it is going to be intriguing to see how tonight's performance sets the table for the rest of the series in Pittsburgh to come. This is why you talk about the stuff, you talk about how Marmola at this point in time feels as if the swing and miss stuff, it's been there for Memphis, it's going to play. Well, we'll see exactly how long he is able to man the bump this evening because you are still talking about someone despite the good stuff at the AAA level. Yes, he fanned 18 over the course of 11 innings and whatnot, but he didn't pitch particularly deep into those games either. Pitch count maximized in the low 80s on both occasions. So with the way that this sets up, Wainwright currently scheduled to face old friend Johan Oviedo tomorrow night 
And then maybe a prospective turn from Matthew Libertor on Wednesday, you could find yourselves very quickly once again in the position of just struggling, trying to labor to find who's going to be able to register the outs. Yeah, I I think if you talk to Ali or if you talk to most around Major League Baseball, that's worst case scenario, and it's on the plate. You know, don't don't think for a second they it's not in the back of their mind. What they're hoping, obviously, is that he gives them five, six innings. Wainwright tomorrow gives you five to six, seven innings, and then then that what you're talking about is is off the the table because they have an off day. Then I believe on Thursday going into the series with the Phillies, which could be ugly too. That's not an easy pitcher's park. Um, but to your point, it, it's it's something you got to consider. Because you have guys right now that recent history has told you they're not going to go deep into games. Wainwright's not going deep into games. This kid tonight you have no idea about. And Libertor, if you push him back two days, you're hoping that he makes that start. But for the most part, outside of the game against Tampa Bay, not giving you deep into games, not getting you deep into games. So bullpen, be ready to roll. Yeah. Well, be ready to roll. They've been leaned upon heavily all year. Uh, so let, let's get back into this rotation kind of moving forward is a guy like Drew Rahm comes in. Let's say he has a good performance and, you know, Ollie wants to see him again. Dakota Hudson's another guy who has kind of changed the narrative around him. Like no one's screaming Cy Young, but people are at least now saying, hey, you know what? This guy could compete for a spot in the rotation next year. You've got Matthew Libertor, who by all accounts should be pushing for a spot next year. He hasn't shown the consistency enough, at least for me, to you know kind of pencil him in there anywhere yet. No. And then Zach Thompson, kind of from the from from. I've out always of, liked him. I, but he's been, kind of from out of nowhere now. Not right? for me. Well, but okay, I get it. You're right, and it was it shouldn't be for for people surrounding the organization. It shouldn't be a much of yeah. a surprise. But the way they tinkered with him in the last year, I didn't like how they did that. I hated it. Yeah. And now here they are where he's out there pitching. He looks confident. Oh, like a, yeah. It's a different look from him. His minor league numbers this year were awful. Oh, terrible. I mean, you look at his walks, you look at uh, the he walks. He had more walks than innings pitched at one yeah. point. I mean, that ain't got to cut it. <laughs> That's not but, good. Uh, you know what, Rivs? You, you've been you've been there. You've been a professional athlete. You, you, you know what it's like to go up and down. And when you think that you're going to stick around and have a role with the major league club and then all of a sudden get told, oh, by the way, we're going to change the complete um, trajectory of your season and you're going to go down to the minors, you're going to go be a defenseman now moving you to forward and you're not going to come up until maybe yep. the next year and you're going to play forward. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait. What, what, I was, I, I'm a defenseman. No, 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 not, not here anymore. We're going to move you to forward and you're going to do that in Worcester. Okay. Things couldn't get any worse though. Yeah, they couldn't. I'm sure you heard that a few times. Mm-hmm. And and now all of a sudden they, with with Thompson, it was like, okay, I made you know I'm making strides. I'm I want to be a starter, but now I'm being asked to be a bullpen guy. Um, okay, I can handle that. It's I'm in the big leagues. Great, I'll do it, and maybe eventually graduate to the rotation. Well, now now we're going to tell you to go down to the minor leagues, and you're going to spend your time down there. Remember, at the time, they had five guys. So this is yeah. about stretching you out to be a star. I mean, your motivation, you're a human being. And everybody says, well, just go down there, accept the role, and do what you're supposed to do. It doesn't work like that. These guys are human beings. And so you're talking about a top draft choice, too, out of Kentucky, with swing and miss stuff, with a guy that throws mid-90s, with a vicious curveball. If you look at his spin rates, his spin rates are off the charts. Like, they're some of the best on the team. So 
now he's getting a taste of being back and the, that carrot is being dangled in front of him and saying, hey, you have a chance to do something here down the stretch. That's why when people say we're not playing for anything. No, they're playing. There's some guys playing for a lot here down the stretch. Always. And there's one of them right there is case in point is Zach Thompson. This does not surprise me. I've seen it up close. He's got good stuff. Now he's got the opportunity, and I'm sure they're going to extend. I think his pitch count was around 80 pitches yesterday, yeah. something like that. Now that means he's probably on 90, 90. to 90, or 5 to 100. Yep. And now you get into a flow in that final month. You take the ball every fifth day, and they they will look at you differently going into this offseason and saying, and I'm not saying that they say he's penciled in as one of our guys, but they're going to give him every opportunity to be one of those yeah, guys. And for him? give the Cardinals no choice but to have you at least on their brains yeah, for as a sure. guy that's competing for that spot. And so. he's showing you that if he even doesn't make the rotation next year, that he could be effective coming out of your bullpen. Absolutely. So those are things that you got to consider too. Well, a lot of fun uh, watching these young guys down the stretch, see who seizes the moment. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching Drew Rahm on the bump tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirates, his first game wearing the Cardinal uniform. Um going to be exciting. Yeah. I'm wishing the young man very well. I, I think debuts are, are guys that get a chance. I, I always think it's fun. I think it's great. I, I do too. I mean, that's so why one you... of the things that when you have a team that's out of it, you get to see a lot more yeah. of. It's Now, I don't want this every year. In fact, no. this year's fine with me just being a one-off. But at least the Cardinals have something to be excited about. Some teams are in this situation and they don't have a Mason Wynn. They don't have a Drew Run. They don't have a Jordan Walker. They don't and, where, like, and wherever you stand on the Wayno thing, you don't have a guy going for no, 200 right. wins. No, you're right. You 100%. know, he gets to 199 and he's looking for 200. You don't think a lot of people will be paying attention to uh, that? They better be. Yeah, a lot of people will Absolutely. be. So, you know, I, I still think that Anytime a kid makes a debut or has earned the opportunity to, because they all earned it. Some way, somehow, you earned it to get to that level. You may not want to believe that, but they did. And this kid has earned the opportunity in their eyes to to have this shot. See what you can do, man. I, I tell them, hey, go for broke. Just go do your thing. You got nothing to lose. Go, go for do broke. Your thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the Air Comfort Service text line is up and running. That number is three one four three nine 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 six four six. Text in your questions, um, anything, quite honestly. Danny and I like to talk about anything. So any questions you have, oh yeah, text them in. Sports Six Pack, coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. It's time for your... Sports six-pack. Here we go. Question number one. Gentlemen, it wasn't all about the imminent Drew Rahm arrival before yesterday's series finale versus New York. The Cardinals, of course, inducted Jose Okendo and Max Lanier into their Hall of Fame in a ceremony at Ballpark Village. And the secret weapon actually gave a nice little shout-out to TLR. I want to thank Tony, who brought me back to San Luis as a coach. He knows that that was my passion. When he first asked me uh, uh, twice, I told him, no, I'm not, I'm not going to coach in the major leagues because uh, my passion was teaching the young guys in the minor leagues. But he promised me 
that when I get to the big league, I'm going to be teaching just as much that I do in the minor leagues. And he was right. Audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest. Dan, especially as you were growing up watching Cardinal baseball, observing, how special was it to see a player with that level of versatility at that time in the game? He was awesome. Um, great player, great hands. I used to play catch with him before games all the time. And when I'd throw the ball to him, I'd be in a suit, by the way, and we'd be playing catch because he'd get to the ballpark early and just we'd just be messing around. I used to talk to Jose every day. But he would make it... Um, He'd make it disappear. You wouldn't even see it go into his glove. His hands were so fast. So it'd just go in. You couldn't even tell. It'd be back in his throwing hand. His hands are incredible. I used to play a lot of golf with him, too. He had kind of a um, an odd way to address the ball, but his hands were so good. And he'd be out there just around the green. It'd be just up and down every single time. He, he was amazing. I, I love what he said there because there's more teaching done now at the major league level on how to play the game than ever before. And the reason I say that, Ribs, and I don't know what it's like in hockey, but these young kids that are learning the game of baseball, or I should say playing the game of baseball, how fast do you run? What's your launch angle? How hard do you throw? Well, do you know how to move a runner over? Yeah. Do you know how to run from first to third on a base hit? Do you know on where, where literally, where to throw the ball on a cut on a base hit with a runner at first? Do you know where to go with it if you're the outfielder? Things like that. Like, they, they are teaching this stuff at this level. That's why you see a lot of games at across the board in Major League Baseball. It's not the game is not played properly. Well, it's I don't I don't blame the players. The players aren't taught. The players the only way they're going to get recognized is to be the fastest guy, mm. throw the hardest, or hit for bombs. And that's how you get recognized to get drafted. And the way that you're paid now is to hit home runs. So strikeouts now, who cares? Go hit me 30 bombs, I'll pay you. Paul DeYoung I'll pay you. That's why he got paid. Part of it is that he was a good defensive player, but he hit bombs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you look at a guy like Jose Okendo that gets inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, he was teaching everybody. And it was, I mean, everybody. He was a first baseman. He's teaching Albert Pujols. You're over at third base. He was helping Scott Rowland. Jimmy Edmonds playing center field. He'd help him. I mean, these are guys that are amazing defensive players that we talk about. Yachty. Got a lot of tutelage from from Jose Okendo. So it's it just the game is just not taught properly in many, this is my own opinion, in many respects in the minors or in, in youth baseball. And then when they finally get to professional baseball or they're, and then the kids are pushed because the money is so great, they have to justify giving Jamie Rivers $10 million while oh, he's, thrust in, he's thrust into the big <laughs> leagues and doesn't know how to play. Yeah. So you got to have a guy like Jose Okendo to help you along. So he deserves it. It's great that he went in. Question number two. Let's head out to the City of Angels, shall we? And Icons on Saturday night, guys. Mookie Betts hammered two home runs as the Dodgers swept the Marlins in a doubleheader. That's all well and good. But most notably, Betts made sure to salute LeBron James, who was there in a suite with his family. And the King responded by tipping his cap. And I'm curious for you two. From whom would it be the ultimate honor, sports, other entertainment avenues, whatever, to receive a hat tip, meaning you have arrived? Oh, I got Go mine. Go ahead. The great one. The great one? Yeah. Wayne Gretzky? Yeah. I interviewed Wayne a few times when he was playing, and I was doing the blues, yeah. and that was pretty cool. Um, but if he would have looked up at me and given me a, like a you know, a knock on the chest or something, like, hey, Danny Mac, i have been like, that's the great one down there doing that. I, and I'm not like yeah. that. I don't really care. No, that's still cool. It, that would have been pretty cool for me. So one of the coolest moments for me 
in my career and I've I was very blessed I played with so many Hall of Famers in my career I mean I go back sometimes and just kind of shake my head as to the the guys that I've played with and can I interrupt yeah you you played or were coached by on the same team it's a great note you were the only one I think it was like Brett Gretzky and somebody else, you were telling me this uh, about a year ago. We were talking about it. Oh, it's uh, the only players to have played against, with, and for. Okay, Wayne that's uh, yes, yes. And it's uh, me, Brett Hull, and a guy named Sean O'Donnell. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, so you're playing with a bunch of Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers, and but the very first eye-opening moment for me, and it it, it pertains to Wayne Gretzky, was when he got traded here, and I remember you know the next morning. He's in the locker room and he's reading the USA Today and he sat like three stalls over for me and you walk in and I'm like this like as a kid I watched this guy like it's, it's incredible this is yes. the greatest player in the world and so you kind of walk in you're trying to be cool at the time you know kind of like not too much of a dork I just walk up and I'm like hey Wayne um, Jamie Rivers nice to meet you he's like oh hey yeah Wayne he's like hey Jamie yeah he's like hey man you had a hell of a career in junior hockey he's like man you know you're scoring all those points and I was like he knew he knew how about awesome is that me and yeah. like that floored me because i was like he may have known like oh who i was because i played against him you know sure but he knew like way beyond that like layers and i was blown away and i felt so freaking amazing i was like the great one like actually knows who i am i don't care if he read it this morning before he got here by accident he's he had this information and so it was a really cool moment to I so, heard he's a great teammate. He was a fantastic teammate. Yeah. Incredible guy, great teammate. He liked to have fun. He liked to laugh, joke, be with the boys. Like when you're when you were on the same team with Wayne, it wasn't about Wayne. It was about the team. Yeah. And uh it, it was difficult at times because wherever we traveled, we needed like heightened security because people were you know, just crawling out of everywhere to try and get a glimpse of Wayne Gretzky or to get a signature or a picture with him. So that was the only difference, you know, for Wayne is sometimes he had to be a little more strategic in how he sure. entered hotels. I saw that or, with McGuire. Yeah, 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 exactly. But as far as a teammate is concerned, he was an amazing teammate. He was what a was great he as coach. a coach? He was, so as a coach, he was awesome for me. Like, he traded for me. So when I got there, he's like, listen, I need a guy here, a veteran guy. You're going to play a lot. You're going to play in every situation. So he's like, take care of yourself. You know, if you know what I mean, be ready to go. And you know, he would call me in his office and just bounce ideas off of me and stuff. And he gets so frustrated. And he, I remember one time he was, Freddie Schustrom was a Swedish kid. Great speed, great skills. Not quite the toolbox that, you know, elite players have. We're on the power play and, and Freddie makes a play. And then Wayne calls me, calls me into his office in the intermission. And it's like, why is why can't he see that guy that's wide open? He's like, what the hell is wrong with Freddie? He's not, you know, can't. I go, hey, Wayne. I go, um, do you know what the problem is? He's like, what? I go, his name's not Gretzky. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't that the <laughs> truth, though, with great players? They yeah. see it, and it's tough to coach because they don't understand why guys can't see what they see. Oh, yeah, he sees it so plain as day. Yet Freddie Schustrom, like, he's operating with, like, the horse blinders <laughs> right. on just trying to survive out there. Exactly. So, but that was my kind of my hat tip moment when the great one actually cool. knew like who I was. Question number three. Last round for this stanza, guys. So, Jamie, the 636 must know. If you had to choose, you have to make this crucial decision between one beer and one form of whiskey for the remainder of your days. Oh. Which is it going to be? Oh, it's the bourbon all day long. 
absolutely. Like I don't get me wrong, I enjoy a nice cold beer. Like cutting the grass coming in or doing some work around the yard or up at the lake. I mean, yes, bartender beer me, please. I want to ask you one more thing though about Gretzky. Okay, yeah. So when he He liked to drink vodka. Thank you. Um when he decided to leave St. Louis, did you guys all know that that was a done deal? Oh man, there is a story behind this. I, I yeah, I with, yes. with iron. Yeah, so Mike Keenan and and the front office pulled their stunt that they had pulled, which was basically offered him a contract and then um, pulled it off the table in the middle of the Red Wings series. In Detroit. In Detroit, because they felt like Gretz wasn't playing up to his potential, so they pulled the deal off the table. That was it. You knew it. Like, so that was it. You can't, you can't a, do that to who Wayne. Who pulls a contract off the table from the greatest player in the game? And he did not want to leave. Oh, he wanted to retire here. Yeah. He wanted to retire. A Family here. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a blue. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was a very sad moment because we could have had the greatest player of all time here for an extended period of time. No question about it. And he and he goes out. Let's see. He played three more three more years. I think with the Rangers. Oh, at least. I think it was three. I think he signed a three year, eighteen twenty four yeah. million dollar deal, something like that. And with the teams that we had here at that moment, like could have won. Could have easily. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to we're gonna continue here with the Sports 6-Pack. You guys got so many great questions. Again, the Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. More of the 6-Pack next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Mackie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Welcome back. To the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. We're going to continue with your sports six-pack questions. Question number four. Dan, this one is specifically for you. In your estimation, Al Herboski as well as Dave Duncan, is it high time, is it well overdue that those two individuals merit some legitimate Hall of Fame consideration? Yeah, Jamie Jamie could jump into this too because the Blues have their Hall of Fame, but I I have long been pushing for Al. I, I think Al should get in. Al will be the first one to tell you that he is not a baseball Hall of Famer. But what Al did for the organization on the field, uh, fireman of the year, but then all his years of service to the organization, working in television, game analyst, pre and post. uh, He now has an ambassador role with the club. He is with fans constantly, taking pictures, kissing babies, signing autographs. cards and yeah, gives them kids. He's, he's all over the place. He's been a, uh, just a hell of an ambassador for the club. Um, I, I look at him, and I also look at Dave Duncan, too. I think Dave Duncan, for what he did with that great era of Cardinals baseball with pitching, some of them being reclamation projects in which they – were very good, and he's had a, a you know a big hand in helping those guys regain their form. I think that's important. But back to Al, I love Al. I, I hope he gets it. I think he will. Um, and part of this too is that these Hall of Fames are new, so you you have the the real easy choices of whether they're NHL or Major League Baseball Hall of Famers. They're they're in, and then you have the the Hall of like really close NHL Baseball Hall of Famers that are going to be. Uh, into your Hall of Fame for your respective team. But then you got to look at 
I think outside of even on the ice or on the field, what have, what have these gentlemen or ladies even in some cases, depending on just how far, you know, you go into the, the offices of, of both these organizations of what they've meant to people in and around the team and the city and the community. And, and I, I don't know, man, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody more deserving than Al in my mind. Yeah, I agree. Look, I, I compare Al Robofsky a lot to Bobby Plager in, in regards to yeah, the it's fact a good comp. That, you know they're, they're not just ambassadors for the the, the clubs, they're ambassadors for the city yes. too. You know the amount of things that these guys have done away from the game is incredible, and this is where I do really really like what the St. Louis Blues have started with their Blues Hall of Fame is that it's not just the best players, it's the best Blues. And what that means is guys that were out in the community, maybe something to do with youth hockey, maybe growing the game here locally, maybe doing a lot of charity work. All of that counts for something, especially if you're under the Blue Note umbrella. Yes. And I think that that's that's the part where you have to look at Hall of Fame individuals, not so much Hall of Fame players. And I understand the Cardinals have a a certain criteria that they, they follow for their Hall of Fame. Or there's at least also, I believe there's a criteria. There, there is. There's a couple committees, but then they have, and I guess the Blues would have this too, kind of like an owner's pick mm-hmm. or picks. Oh, I'm sure that, yes. You know, if the owner I, says, I, don't I know want that, that guy yet. in. I don't know all the logistics right. on that, but I can imagine that if the owners or the front office or people here wanted a specific Blues player in there, he'd probably get in there. Well, there, I could see a fan saying, well, this is getting watered down. Well, but no, water down which way? Because it, why shouldn't guys be recognized for doing great things? I agree. And it's not getting watered down because there's only so many Hall of Famers to go around. So once you started this Hall of Fame, you knew you're going to have this influx of incredible talent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have these some of the biggest names in the sport and with that organization. And then after that, and I don't like to use the term watered down, but they don't have the resume of the others that are already in. And that's just the way it's going to be. It's You're going to get – now, for the Cardinals, in their case, you're, you're going to have some pretty big names coming up. I think it's three years you have to be retired and have spent uh, three or five years with the team. So you're going to have Molina. You're going to have Albert. You're yeah. going to have um, – uh, Wainwright, you're going to have some of these guys that are coming up. That'll be big classes. But then you're going to have some of the years that are not the biggest names. But, man, believe me, their impact is is felt yeah. for generations of this organization. Yeah, I, and I, I just go back to my original thought is, you know, the, the, the actual Hall of Famers, like baseball Hall of Famers or hockey Hall of Fame guys, those are easy picks. They're like redundant almost. Okay, we just put them in our you Hall of Fame. just run out of them. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fine, yeah. I think that there's people that deserve, like Bruce Affleck is a guy. Just going to bring that up. That he deserves to be in the Blues Hall of Fame. What he's done for this alumni association here in St. Louis and, and just all the jobs that he's had with the Blues overall, like that's a guy that, you know, under certain criteria probably wouldn't be in consideration because he wasn't an all star player. But he's been an all-star individual. How about Susie Matthew? She's the next one on my list. I mean, Brett Hall's personal caretaker, quite honestly. Brett Hall will tell you flat out, without Susie Matthew, he would have been lost here. Yeah. And the amount of things that Susie Matthew did for this organization is incredible. She was the first person I met with the organization once I was drafted. She greeted me, walked me over the table, and which is what she did for everybody. It's yeah. So Susie Matthews should be in consideration as well for sure. So I just go back to the original thought for me is pick the individuals that made the logo better on and off. The that's ice. a great way to put it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. 
and Al is is that guy. I hope Al's listening because he deserves to be in. I know he listens a lot, but I I really believe that Al's a great friend, and uh, he has been involved in tons of charity under, as you said, the umbrella of the Cardinal logo. Yep. Um, and I hope he gets more consideration than maybe he's already gotten, or maybe he has gotten a bunch. I'm not in those meetings or those closed door, you know, get-togethers to decide who gets to go in, but. And, and by the way, he was a hell of a pitcher there for a while, too. So you add all that together. Yeah, and I know it would mean the world to him. Absolutely. I mean, he lives and dies Cardinal baseball. So that'd be very cool. Question number five. This one would fit right at home on golf with Jay Delsing. Now on for two hours, if I'm not mistaken, That's every right. Sunday morning, right? That's right. Okay. Eight to ten. Let's hit the links, shall we? And... At the peaks of their respective powers, Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, you can question the dominance factor. You can question how the game evolves through the decades. With whom would you have rather rolled to win it all, one tournament for it all, at Augusta National? I'm going Tiger. Oof. Tough to, to, to go against Jack, who's got the most wow. majors of anybody, but uh, I'd go Tiger. I mean, the guy won when he was, what, 21 years old by, what, 13 strokes or whatever it was? And he shoot a 40 on the front nine of his first uh, – the Masters that he won the first one. Is 20. that good, Dan? No, not for a pro. <laughs> I'd take it. I, I would take it, <laughs> I'd too. Be, I'd be happy as hell. But he, I think he shot a 40 on the front nine and then beat the field by 13, something like that. That's ridiculous. It is. The, I mean, they had to change golf because of him, the courses, trying to look at changing equipment because of him. Now – if I had one, yeah, I'd go Tiger. Yeah. Wow. You? You going Jack? I'm going Jack. Absolutely. Best guy you play golf with? Phil Mickelson. Oh, you played with Phil out in Arizona? Yeah. I, did you guys gamble? Uh, yeah. 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 Was it high numbers or did you just say no, this is what I got? No, it was not high numbers. No, I mean, I was in the game and I was just sort of like a second year guy at the time. I did not have the capital to participate at a higher level. Apparently he's bet over a billion. Yeah. In 30 years. I had no idea about that. I knew he bet. I just didn't know it would be. I knew the numbers would be high. Yeah. I never thought it'd be with a B. That's a, It was eye-opening. So Billy sure. Walters has a new book coming out on Phil. And it's it's just like, he just let it loose. He yeah. just said, here you go. I'm going to let you know everything. I can't wait to see Phil's reaction. If he even has one. He's probably like, yeah, oh well. It probably, it's probably why he took the money from Liv. If he knew this was coming out and opportunities would shrink because of this book that came out, yeah. like, oh, we're, point. we're not going to put you on the tour, television series, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. Uh, maybe you're looking at suspension. Okay, I'll take my half a billion and, take my half a billion. <laughs> and go I'll play in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I'd look at it. I love it. it. I love it. Question number six. Quick shout-out to SC on another authoritative victory just yesterday, 6-3 to three over Austin, if I'm not mistaken. Let's span, though, the soccer field here, gentlemen. And Lionel Messi just continuing to make mincemeat of yeah, the rest is. of the MLS. Now, 10 goals in seven matches for Inter-Miami, which wasn't even relevant prior to his arrival. His team just won the League's Cup, for crying out loud. Yeah. But on, on some level, what we're seeing, the flat-out dominance there, is it a bit of a referendum against what a lot of the soccer diehards are trying to make of the MLS, the reputation now? Anything to that? I don't know if there is because, you know, Lionel Messi is arguably still one of the greatest players in the world. Uh, and he certainly has been one of the greatest players of all time. 
He's in the top five now of scoring, yeah. I think, all time for Miami or top so, ten. Now, MLS, and Dan, you know more about the league and maybe other leagues around the world, but as it sits right now, I think MLS is still ranked maybe fifth or sixth yeah. best league out there. So if that's the case and you have you know, one of the most dominant players ever coming from the top of the top to this league, then it's natural that he's going to dominate. Did you ever think, though, I've been th- – wondering to ask you this do you ever think though he would this is really a stupid statement i think but that he would play down to his competition like he would get maybe elite some games and then just get kind of like this is a joke i'm I'm, i think those guys are different i I guess i think if Messi could bury five goals in a game he would not 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 play down to him but maybe not be motivated then it affects his play well you know what i haven't put him under the microscope to see how he's hustling around the pitch all the time it's pretty good but I do know that when he has a chance to play offense, that he kicks it into high gear. And, you know, it's unbelievable. It's amazing what he's done. That team right now is looking at it going, yeah, we're in last place in our conference right now. Yeah. But playoffs are possible now that oh, this guy's yeah. here. He, uh, I think he's got, what, nine goals, Bradford? Is that right? Eight, nine goals? Yeah, he's double digits already. He's so he's in, games. he's in the top ten, I think, all time in the <laughs> franchise history. That's it's awesome. Fun. It's fun to watch that happen. Uh, another guy that's fun is Mason Wynn. And when we come back here, uh, Bradford has some audio to play for us. And, Danny, he wants us to react to the audio. Okay, reaction's coming. And also, the Air Comfort Service text line and the mic drop feature are open and available. We'd like to get your thoughts on Mason Wynn, what you saw so far in his first series, what you liked, what you didn't like, what his potential could be. All that coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, I mean, of course, we got to see him in spring training. We love the excitement that he brings, you know, him and uh, with Walker together. But uh, Mason is more he's an electric-type player. You know, he's like, look at the plays last night, you know, probably a couple of balls that you hadn't seen guys get to too much on either side of the field. So he brings that element, but also, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, he can bring excitement when he gets on the bases, uh, what he can do, uh, taking extra bases, all those things that the fans are going to love to see. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here. Danny Mack sitting in for Anthony Stalter. Bradford Burns on the dials for Andrew Marsh. Uh, That was Turner Ward on the Cardinals' new shortstop, Mason Wynn. And we circle back to Mason Wynn. There's just a lot of buzz around this player, Danny. Yeah. Just a lot of buzz. And I'm wondering wondering how, how much learning curve there's going to be for this young man because he's so frigging talented he's such an athlete that that can make up for some of the stuff that you're not ready for i think goes back though to what we're talking about where you at with mentally you know physically he's the the tools are there yeah i mean we're seeing that um but the the mental aspect of being a major league player being a nhler it's just different, man. It's just different from being in the minors or being at AAA and making this jump. And so what happens if he goes over his next 10? Okay, now I'm 3 for 23. Uh-oh, a lot of expectation. Now I just 0 for 5 on this. Okay, now I'm 3 for 28. That stuff happens. It can it can happen quickly, And too. it snowballs on you. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing that I'm kind of going to be watching here. Physically, I don't think there's any doubt the guy is – 
is got the tools. So, so that let's throw that out there. It's it's how he adapts to the ruts that will inevitably, and they will happen. What happens? What when it happens here at the major league level, and how quickly he can adjust. It's a game of adjustments, cliche, but very true. It's also a game of how quickly can I forget and move on. And we're going to find out. You know, now he's thrust in there. He's going to be in the everyday lineup from here until the end of the season. Let's see how he plays it out. Cardinals manager Ollie Marmel uh, discussed Mason Wynn, and here's what he had to say. Really enjoyed watching him. I thought he handled the day really well. To your point, there's a, a lot going on, especially for a young player like like Mason. Um, there's a decent amount of attention. He's focused on just competing, but there's other responsibilities when it's your first day up here. And um, I thought he's handled it extremely well, and he was excited to get on the field and get the game going. Um, th- there's a lot to be excited about when you watch that kid play. So that's your manager, Ollie Marmel, giving him some high praise, which he should. Yeah. I mean, you know, the kids come in with a lot of – a lot of press around just how good he is. The expectation's very high. He's one of the top prospects, not just for the Cardinals, but in all of Major League Baseball. I think the biggest thing, quite honestly, is going to to be what does it look like a week to 10 days from now? That's what I'm talking about. You, now you're settled in a little bit. You got your Teams road trip. Teams are settled in. They've got a book on you. you know, they're starting to see the trends that you know get you out, the pitches that you chase more often than, than not. So for me, that's the biggest thing is what does it look like a week to 10 days from now? And they they probably have a pretty good idea because film is readily available now at the minor league level and your scouts are watching them. So they they have a pretty good idea right now. Although, again, major league pitching, different than what you see in the minor leagues. It's more precise. It's better. Um, Not as, you know, fewer mistakes. All those things go into it. Um, I'd be interested once he settles in in his second homestand. That's when, you know, okay, hey – you got the first game under your belt. Like Ali said, there's a lot that goes into your family. Your friends are there. There's the media attention. You know you, there's been a lot of attention drawn to you just coming through the minor league system. Then you play the game. Then you get your first major league hit. Then it gets thrown in the stands. Then you got to answer questions about that. Okay, now that's all done. You go on your first road trip. You get through Pittsburgh. You get an off day. Then you get through Philly. Okay, you're hanging out with your buddy Jordan Walker, who's probably thrilled to see him there. He's got a guy his age, finally, mm-hmm. to hang out with. Um, and then that next homestand, it starts to become rinse and repeat. Okay, this is what it's kind of – I got my my route to the ballpark. My stuff is arrived from Memphis. I'm settled into my place. I, I know I'm going to be here. Now let's settle in and get everything under the way it's supposed to be. Get everything under wraps. The, the things outside the ballpark, just concentrate on playing baseball. And then at that point, start to take a little harder evaluation of where you're at. How did the youngster himself feel following his first game? Well, here's Mason Wynn on his performance. Man, it was fantastic. I mean, walking play. out there, you know, seeing the Let fans out there, I was really, you know, a little bit nervous for sure, you know, at first. Like but I think getting through the first couple of innings, I mean, throwing a Luke and Baker, basis. I'm pretty comfortable doing that, especially – with him down there in Memphis so much. But, no, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Really excited for the future. It's a background noise there. Somebody telling he wanted to work with Willie McGee on stealing, stealing bases. bases. Yeah. He couldn't control himself in the background there. That is something I want to see him do more. Are you surprised that, generally speaking, we're not seeing stolen bases as much? I, I thought we'd see teams just running wild. Now, the, the running game is up. I just thought when you get a guy on and he had decent speed, you're going for it. And the numbers will bear it out. I mean, you know, the, the, if they felt that there was a huge advantage, you'd see stolen bases across the board yeah. way, way up. 
yeah, there's a few here and there, but not not as it's much not as, as I much, thought. Yeah, and I don't think it's as much as Major League Baseball thought it was going to be either. I agree. Making the bases just a little bit bigger. Because how many plays in the past were like right there, just get the tag before he touches the base? 100%. And now they've got a better opportunity to steal that base. I and don't the know. throws over to first base. I mean, you're limited There's with human that. Air involved in yeah, all of it. I just thought that they would be running a lot more than they have. That generally speaking, across the board in the game. Yeah, but we're just not seeing it. I'd love to see it. I'd love that. To me, is so much fun. Get get the athleticism. Baseball has never had athletes like this. Generally, across the board in in this sport, like we have right now, these these guys are athletes. And there's baseball players, and I mean there's athletes, and these guys are athletes that play baseball. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys, no. several tools that oh, they can man. use, and speed, and like, look, Mason, when I did not know he was as fast as he, he is. could fly, and he he flew down first baseline for that that first hit of his career. I mean, he was just booking it. Yeah, it's impressive. I, I mean, you got him, you got Gorman hitting for power, you got Walker who's got tools. You know, there there's some things to be excited about. I I would just caution people. I I think it's just going to take a little bit for these guys to to have it all come together. Yeah, of course. It's going to take if, a year or two. Never mind being patient. Just be realistic. If you're a Cardinals, yes, fan. be realistic with everything. I agree. You know what else is exciting, Dan? This show, the Gauntlet. Oh yes, the, the gauntlet. gauntlet. We need a new contestant for the Gauntlet. So text in to three one four three nine 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 six four six. The Gauntlet coming up next here. I want to want ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Welcome back inside the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Danny Mack, Bradford Burns coming at you. It's time for the gauntlet. We've got Trevor joining us today. Trevor, how are we doing, bud? Uh, quite well, other than it's pretty darn hot out. Yeah, this heat has been a little bit much. I'm not going to lie. I was going to cut my grass yesterday, and I took a step outside and said, eh, maybe another time. So yeah, hopefully I'm it cools down a little bit. In the work- yeah, I'm sweating my taters off in the workshop going through some recycling stuff. Well, there you go. All right, so, Trevor, the way it's going to work today is because Anthony and Andrew are back tomorrow, it means you're stuck against me today. I had a feeling. (laughs) All right, I'm going to head off to the uh, cone of silence. I'll let Bradford take over, but best of luck to you, okay, bud? All right, same. All right, thank you. Spin it. Wheel is painstakingly slow today. It too must be affected by the heat. Let's see. Oh, and we're going to land on America's pastime. Baseball it is, Trevor. Oh, that's cool. All right. Let's get these questions ready to go. Danny Mack is going to be the Tommy Edmond on this occasion, meaning he is leading off for you, sir. All right, I'm ready. All right, Trevor, here we go. Question one. After the Phillies beat the Cardinals in the wild card round last season, who did they go in to beat in the NLDS? Oh, man, I should know this. Um, NLDS. Phillies beat. Was it Atlanta? Is that your final answer? 
No, give me the options, please. San Diego, Atlanta, or the Dodgers? San Diego. Final answer? Yepers. Okay. Number two, the last time the Reds won the Fall Classic in 1990, what was the team that Cincinnati swept? Oh, they swept in the World Series. Yep. 1990. Oh, man. Give me the options. Okay. First one, the Oakland Athletics. Number two, Minnesota Twins. Or choice number three, the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Final answer? Yep. All right. Question three. Who was the uh, last team to lose back-to-back World Series? The L.A. Dodgers? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, I can't give the options yet until you ask for them. (laughs) Play on, play on. I didn't hear anything. Um, Who's back-to-back World Series? I'm sorry, uh... I'll go ahead and take the options since we already kind of got there. Sure. L.A. Dodgers, Texas Rangers, Atlanta Braves. The last team to lose back-to-back World Series. I'll go Texas. And number four. Can you tell us which Cardinal, which individual has struck out the most thus far in the 2023 campaign? It's got to be somebody who's been actually playing. Um <laughs> Who's been in there all the time? It's got to be like Goldie or Arenado just because. I'm going to say Arenado. Final answer? Yep. All right. We will bring Jamie back into the fold here momentarily. Trevor, initial thoughts on the performance today. It's a Monday. Cut yourself a little slack. Super hot. What do you think? Horrific. <laughs> That's not not a very nice adjective. Okay, well, we'll see exactly how Mr. Rivers fares when it comes to, as we said, America's pastime today. Jamie, say hello to Trevor again. Trev, how'd we do, buddy? Oh, golly, I'm I'm scared. (laughs) What's our category, Bradford? America's pastime. We've got baseball. Oh, baseball been very, very good to me. Mm -hmm. We're about to find out. Has it, though? I don't know. (laughs) All right. Let's right, party. Question one for Jamie Rivers. Yeah. After the Phillies beat the Cardinals in the wild card round last season, who did they go in to beat in the NLDS? They went on to beat this team in the NLDS. Okay. Um, so the Phillies beat the Cardinals, and then I believe they beat the Braves. Yeah, I think it was the Braves. Braves. Final answer. Final answer. All right. Okay. Question two, please. Jamie, the last time Cincinnati appeared in the World Series, won the World Series, in fact, way back, 1990. Can you tell me the team that was swept at the hands of the Reds? (laughs) Give me the options, please. (laughs) No hesitation. No. Oakland A's. The Oakland A's once played in a World Series. Oh, yes, they were relevant. Minnesota Twins. Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, well, I know it wasn't the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays, the only time they've been to the World Series, they won it, and they won it back-to-back. So It's the only time you watched. Correct. Um, 
That's not true, actually. <laughs> Growing up in Canada, we had the Expos, we had the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. We knew what was going on. For sure you did. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other options, the A's. The A's were pretty good in the 90s, which leads me to believe they could have been in a World Series. What's the third one? Twins. Twins. The Twins were also pretty good in the early 90s. Kirby Puckett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kent Herbeck over there at first base. Um Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I'm going to say it was the Minnesota Twins. Final answer. Question three. Who is the uh, last team to lose back-to-back World Series? The last team to lose back-to-back World Series. I should know this, but I can't think about it right now. Options, please. The L.A. Dodgers, the Texas Rangers, the Atlanta Braves. Oh, I didn't believe it's the Atlanta Braves. They had a stretch there where they were in the damn thing all the time before they won it. I'll go Atlanta Braves. Final answer. And question number four, bringing up the rear. Can you tell oh, wait, me? Was it? Oh, never mind. It was the last team? The last team. Uh, I think it was the Dodgers. Damn it. Oh, I said final answer. Go ahead. Mm. How about the Cardinal, who has struck out the most times in the 2023 season to date? Oh, boy. Um... So In other like, words, who struck out the yeah, most? So far this year. Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to go through the roster really quickly here. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. It's a very tough one. Who has struck out the most? Answer it! Shush your face, Dan. I'm trying to think. Okay? I know you got the answers in front of you. It's really easy for you, eh, buddy? Yeah! Focus. I'm trying. Okay. Uh, I'll go with Wilson Contreras. Old Willie? I have no idea. Okay. Options, please. I didn't say final answer. Ah, okay. All right. Very well. We will go with either Nolan Gorman, Paul Goldschmidt, or Big Willie Style himself. Son of a gun. I got to stick with my gut instinct. Big Willie. Final answer. Well, Dan, this one turned out to be, would the word stalemate be fair in this instance? Well, defensive battle. It was a defensive battle. Oh, boy. It's a pillow fight. That's great. Yep. All right, let's go over it. You have chosen poorly. You lose. <laughs> Quick on the gun, Quick my man. Quick on the gun. Quick on the gun. I know, indeed. Well, now that the suspense has been removed from the proceedings, <laughs> let's talk a little bit <laughs> about these baseball Findings. How about uh, number one, the Phillies beating the Cardinals in the wildcard round? That happened last season, naturally. Now, what team did the Phillies go on to beat in the NLDS? As a matter of fact, it turned out to be those Atlanta Braves. That was, yep. So Trevor went with San Diego and uh, Jamie went with the Braves. So Jamie's up there. There you go. That might be the only one that either one gets. Who knows? That's fine. Number okay. two. As long as you get what? Cincinnati Cincinnati hasn't won a World Series crown since 1990. The team that the Reds swept on that occasion, Twins, Blue Jays, not so much. The Oakland A's ah, knocked damn. off by Cincinnati. Number three, the last Trevor team. Trevor went with, uh, Trevor, who'd you go with on that one? Because uh. Jamie went Minnesota. Toronto, correct? Yeah, Toronto. Neighbors to the north. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. right. Okay. 
That's right. Let's swing to another coast entirely. The last team to lose to drop back-to-back fall classics. Jamie, you were a stand-up guy about this question. Mm-hmm. And the options were Dodgers, Rangers, Braves. Most recently, yeah. we're talking about those Dodgers. That Yeah, that one eluded me. The, yeah. but the recently, I shouldn't have gotten so quick. It was Dan. Dan makes me nervous. He's yelling at me. Give, give me no, an I answer. yelled at you at question four, not three. Yeah, but yeah, I could feel it coming. <laughs> I was thinking about it. <laughs> and last but not least, the Cardinal that has fanned the most in 2023, Goldschmidt, Contreras, or Nolan Gorman, not able to do so at the moment. We'll see exactly what transpires when he returns to the lineup, presumably later in the road trip, but it was Gorman indeed. Oh, wow. All right. Oh. Yeah, so, Trevor, you went with Nolan Arnato, and uh, our oh, buddy over here went with Willie Contreras. I did, I did. All right, Trev, buddy. Uh, Hit the sounder. Who won? Well, we already got that yeah, out of the way. You have chosen <laughs> poorly. You lose. It's officially a bus crash here right now. Don't intend to rub it in. All right, Trevor, I appreciate you calling in, buddy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Right on. Have a great one, Derek. All right, take care, my man. Have a good one. Nice work there, Jamie. Oh, you yeah. You got one. I got one. I fought my gut instinct on the other two, and I should have went with that, but, yeah, that's all right. Were you thinking about going uh, Nolan Gorman on question four? No, I wasn't at all. So you were going Willie, and then who else? Willie, and then I, I, when I went back to the question about the Dodgers, I recently is the one. I just I thought it was like the most times that they had been back-to-back. Uh-huh. The Braves would have had so many different opportunities. In the 90s, yeah. Only so, won one. I screw. I know. I screwed that up. And then the the A's was my gut instinct on that first one. But then when Kirby Puckett and those guys started, I was like, ah, maybe. That was Tony Larusso's. I know. McGuire can say. Yeah. Eckersley, all those. They guys. swept, and Eric Davis had a lacerated kidney, I believe, in 1990 with the Reds, and played through primarily played through it. Yeah, and had surgery it's like the, yeah the 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 thing got over, and he's out and done. And the A's went, I think, opening day to the end of the season and won the whole thing. And no one expected them to be any good. And they beat the vaunted A's. Oof. That A's team was loaded. They had Hall of Famers everywhere. Pretty good team. Yeah, really good team. Including a pretty good manager. Yeah, really good manager. Yeah. All right. All right. That was the gauntlet. It's uh, a hell of a gauntlet. Coming up next here in the fast lane, we got MLB News and Notes. Next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. No, when uh, people, I mean, some former teammates were in the other dugout, and they were just like, Pete, what the hell are you doing? Kind of, but I'm like, and I was like, oh, God. I'm, yeah, that was, that was a huge mistake. And yeah, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a good, not a, not a fun one to make, for sure. I feel I feel awful. It's Fast Lane here, 101 ESPN. That was our guy, big old strong guy, Pete Alonzo, following um, an interesting moment, to say the least. Um, what did you think when it initially happened? I, I don't. Dan, I'm very perplexed because as a player, like, you try to you try to – sit there and you go okay well they, they don't really know what's going on and maybe he didn't understand maybe no you do you do because in the clubhouse i guarantee that they have mason wind circled is hey first game for this young man let's he's got a cannon for an arm you know so make sure you're running out the any ground ball that you hit you know whatever it is there's, there's something up there when you have a new player in the lineup so i, I would imagine that pete alonzo had some idea 
that this young player had not reached a bunch of oh milestones, we'll call them, yet. So then when the, when the play happens, I still don't understand how the ball ends up in the stands. I've seen a lot of baseball in my day, Danny, nothing compared to the amount of baseball you've seen. Not often do I see um, in the inning, not at the end of the inning, like in the middle of the inning, a player turn and throw a baseball into the crowd. Not often. I mean, on a foul ball, you'll see that. I mean, a play like that happened. Yeah, not often. Third to first, he stands there and he just turns and chucks it up into the crowd. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't see that very often. I can't remember the last time I have. Um, I just haven't. Yeah, I don't know why he did it. I mean, you can say it's a a lapse in just the immediate judgment of what he was doing, not thinking. I I could accept that. I mean, everything turned out fine. He got the ball back. He got a bat signed. Got a gift. Oh, you know. yeah, but he got a bat signed by Pete Alonso. Yeah, he did win the gift. home run derby you a couple of times. You get a bat Come signed on. by me, the donkey who threw the ball in the crowd on you. But um, normally the throw it. what happens <laughs> is that people are screaming, especially the home dugout is right there with them, and they're screaming at them, hey, we need the ball, we need the ball. And that could happen with um, strikeout number 1,000, yeah, yeah. hit number 500, first Anything, hit of a major yeah. league, yeah. whatever. Um, and so, yeah, not to have the presence just to roll it over to the dugout was a bit surprising to me. And he had time, too, because he had to stretch to get the ball, get up. And by that time, guys are screaming at him. And the first base coach is Stubby Clapp. Those two have had a run-in. Let's put that aside. Is saying, hey, that's his first major league hit. First major league hit, yeah. man. Give me the ball. You know, it, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't. I mean, he should have – the ball should have wound up in his – he should should have chucked to, it over to the dugout. Chris Conroy does an incredible job. He's one of the trainers. Chris Conroy does the inscriptions on the baseball, learned how to do it in the minor leagues. For any, you know, they measure out the lettering and all that kind of stuff. They'll put the date and put little uh, parts of the game that maybe who was against the date, maybe the time or the inning, you know, and it'll say first major league hit, first MLB hit. And they'll give it to him and he'll do it. And then it'll be ready for. He usually does him on the road trip, you know, when he's got yeah. downtime. And he'll have it ready to go for Mason Wynn when he comes home. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's how they do it. And so, I mean, last year he was busy with all the milestones with Albert. And there was a bunch of different – Yachty had a bunch of different milestones. So he was always doing that stuff on the road. But that's one of the jobs as a trainer that sometimes you'll learn. Also, you'll learn how to restring your glove. Those guys, oh, yeah. those guys restring the gloves too. But to the, the question that we were just talking about or the point – I can't. There is no logical explanation as to why he would throw that in the crowd. Not from my point of view. He was beside himself, though, Dan. He was downright beside himself, and he offered a lot more context. I don't know if it still computes, but we'll try to make sense of it. I, I feel. I feel horrible. Um, I, I feel awful. I, I didn't mean to. I. I didn't. I would. I know it sounds stupid, but it is just a, a, a bad brain fart. I know throwing the ball in the stands that that robs that, that robs him of a kind of a, a really special moment but I, I I feel really bad thinking back on on my first hit and just getting the ball thrown back to the dugout I, I feel I, I feel awful I feel like a piece of crap just in the heat of the moment you kind of just get lost I, I just kind of got up from trying to make a play and then umpire said hey we're going to switch this ball out so I'm like okay like I'm going to do what I always do like Throwing this, I always throw the ball in the stands, but I'll never throw the ball in the stands again. I'm just going to roll every ball to the dugout when they're going to switch it out. But that's, I mean, that's 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 a really bad mistake, and it's completely unintentional. I feel, I feel horrible about it. I, I feel really bad, and um, I mean, I apologized like 
I apologized to him when I was at when I was at second after after the force out, and then um, yeah, I, I I'm really sorry, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try and talk to him and uh, get him something for tomorrow as as, as an apology because like it's I mean it's stupid, it's a really bad look, and is I. I I feel I feel like an idiot, and I feel I feel terrible. I, I feel really bad. Yeah. So Pete Alonzo with that long he did own it. Expl- he owned it, but he should have just said, "I'm just, I'm just dumb," because that's that's what he it kind of did. Just say that I, he, said, he, he said I was dumb in the moment or whatever. Paraphrasing, you know. I, I just wasn't think thinking. he's not. I I just don't know if he's a sharp guy. Overall. I just I don't see how with that many people screaming at you and it's not the oppose. He's not on the third base side dugout. No, That's the, right there. The first base dugout, first base coach, and an umpire saying we're going to switch the ball out. Yeah. Now that part did catch my attention where he said, "Well, we're going to switch the ball out." Maybe he's just thinking, oh, "Okay, I'll flip it out." But even then, I'm I'm trying to reach for any kind of excuse. It just doesn't make any sense. It was just a really big dumb move bottom line you got your first goal right you get the puck yeah yeah can you imagine if all of a sudden the puck goes to one of the other players and they just take it and throw it it into into the the crowd crowd? right come on they know everybody on the ice knows everybody knows because guys are going crazy they're going for the puck even trying to grab the puck probably why the umpire said we're switching out the ball yeah because the umpire probably freaking knew it's his first base hit yeah anyway doesn't make any sense Going around the horn in Major League Baseball. Next segment, we'll probably dig into a little more on the local front, but let's visit the junior circuit. Dan, Jamie, the Mariners, they are white hot. It didn't look that way at the All-Star break, obviously, but this team is now 14-3 and in its past 17. And over the weekend, courtesy of a sweep over Houston, pulled to just one half game behind those Astros for the second AL wildcard spot. Julio Rodriguez, too. This was on Saturday. He set a new MLB record with his 17th hit in the past four contests. So wow. I guess the GM there, Justin Hollander, kind of made the right decision to basically stand pat at the deadline. They're hot. I mean, that's what can happen, too. Sometimes you stand pat and you go with the one that brought you and guys click and it just takes four months to have that happen. Jamie, you've been on teams like that where mm-hmm. they show faith in you and you say, okay, well, this is the guys that we have here. Let's go get them. Sometimes that happens. I have not done a deep dive on my Seattle Mariners, but I would imagine <laughs> the pitching has been a big part of that. I would have to imagine. Now, 17 hits in a four-game four span, that's going to help too or whatever it was. But uh, your pitching, if it comes together, all of a sudden you start to win. And if you pitch, you win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, it's a team that's getting hot at the right time, and that's exactly what you want. You got the pitching to back it up. You got some pop in your lineup. It's a good situation right now for the Mariners. What would you have done? Is a teammate of Pete Alonzo, I'm just curious, what, what what would you have said to him? I would have just said, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You think guys would have jumped on him a little bit? Yeah, I would say, first of all, why are you throwing the ball up in the stands? Like, so many times, like, people aren't even looking. And people aren't paying attention sometimes. You throw the ball up in the stands, you hit somebody in the side of the face, side of the head. Like, I know that Pete Alonzo thinks, oh, the whole world wants this baseball, but not everybody's always paying attention in that moment. I right. can tell you this from, we used to skate around and warm up, and you would flip the puck into the crowd sure. for people. And you think, oh, I'm being that one heck of a person here. You know, oh, they want a puck, a warm-up puck. Then I remember hitting somebody, like, not in the face or in the head, but in the chest. But it wasn't like they just weren't paying attention. Right. And we automatically assume that, oh, everybody's eyeballs are on the game right now. What if they're buying a beer, getting a hot dog, little Johnny's crying, they're trying to, they've made a mess, they spilled their nacho cheese, whatever it is, they're not paying attention. Now, Pete Alonso's throwing a... A ball up in the crowd. I I'm, I'm saying, though, move. how much trouble do you think he gets from his teammates? 
a he lot. Should get quite a bit, yeah. I, I kind of think he would too. Like, what are you thinking, man? Now it may be good natured because it's your teammate, but he's going to hear it. I would, no yeah, doubt absolutely. about it. He's going to hear about it. Hundred percent. I think that for the next while, every time there's a rookie in the lineup, exactly, I'd have him. Up, I'd have on the on the hey, board. Hey Pete, hey Pete, this guy's first game, <laughs> right? Hundred <Beware>. percent. <laughs> Just to give try, hey, Pete. Joey's up. Yeah, might get a hit. Give him the ball if he if he gets ball. a base now hit. Now he's like, and then he was the part I didn't like is he's like. He goes the other way, like all of a sudden he's the victim, right? He's like, "Well, I used to, I throw up, and then now I'll just roll every ball to the dugout." Oh, yeah. poor Pete, poor guy. I wonder how many times, though, when you think about it, your first major league hit, how many times he's been involved with that? Because first baseman, yeah, yeah, probably quite a bit. I don't know. Well, I, I'm actually probably more the second baseman. Yeah, your it, second you baseman, base your shortstop. Yes. Yeah. And the ball comes back in, and there's time. People are calling time. He's still Dan. I mean, we're, I'm not we're, making excuses. We're I'm reaching just, right now. Okay, he made a bonehead. I totally decision. agree. It was stupid. Really stupid. Okay, let's move on. All right, we're going to move on to more MLB news and notes coming up next. I want to talk about Paul DeYoung a little bit as well. Um, struggled up in the Great White North. We're going to talk about that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. The time is 4.32 p.m. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. All right. Over uh, the weekend, something happened to uh, an old friend of ours, and uh, it was Paul DeYoung. The Blue Jays designated Paul DeYoung for assignment just 18 days after acquiring him from the Cardinals. Now, DeYoung, in fairness to the Blue Jays, DeYoung struggled big time. Point zero six eight point zero six eight point zero six eight. Mm. His OPS of minus sixty two. Um, yeah, so things not great for Paul DeYoung, Danny. What ultimately? What the heck do you think went wrong up there? Well, it's a microcosm of what went wrong here too. I mean, it's just that was a very very small. It never went this bad. Sample size. Well, he had stretches like this. Yeah, you're right. It just it got exposed because he was in limited time until Bichette came back. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of a mystery of Alan Craig, too. What happened to Alan Craig when he fell off as quickly as he did? I think the thing I'd be interested in is if he even wants to continue to play baseball. I mean, he, he's a smart guy. He's made really good money. Um, and if, he, if the last three years have just beat him up to the point of like, you know what, I, I'm emotionally spent, I'm beat up, now, if somebody offers him a deal, a minor league deal, to try to make a club, I'm sure he'll probably accept it. But I don't know if there's a team out there that will. I mean, I'm assuming that there'll be some teams that give him a flyer to come in, go into spring training, try to recapture something that he's had. But this is a long stretch of baseball where he just has not been able to put it together. I feel for him. He's a good guy. He's a good player. Uh, defensively fine. Never took his issues at the plate to the field. I give him credit for that. But for whatever reason, man, it just it fell off and it fell off in a hurry. He's a guy that leading up to this point, I thought for sure he's going to get a deal somewhere because his season was good enough here in St. Louis. He still he still showed that he's got good pop. Still, he's hit 115 home runs, I think, in his career. Yeah. He's a young man. And he also uh, good defensively, like you said. Yep. So I, this is the worst case scenario for Paul Dion. Or maybe it could be the best. 
just cut bait, regroup, be done with it by the time that, you know what, just get away from it. Step away this year, be done with it, regroup, have a good offseason, and see if there's a team or two that wants to take a chance on you, which could happen. you know. Or he may be the kind of guy, I mean, he's unique. He's a unique, very smart, cerebral guy yeah. that maybe he says, you know, I've had enough, and I'm looking for something else next stage of my life, which very well could happen. Wouldn't surprise me. Guys, collectively, are we a little surprised that Toronto actually hasn't made more waves in the AL East this year? I think back to the opening series of the season, I think about coming into Bush Stadium, and the Blue Jays were really categorized, I think, as one of those potential breakthrough teams. You've got a perennial MVP you know, candidate in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. every year. They add Chapman. You think in year two, maybe he can sustain the production after an uber-hot start, but not everything has come together. And it's a brutal division, mind you. I understand that. But this year it has been Baltimore, all told, to actually make that jump in the division rather than the team that was earmarked for as much it seemed in Toronto. Yeah, I think a lot of it, it just there's pitching issues up in Toronto as well. And, you know, they're suffering from some of the same things that the Cardinals have gone through. And they're 13 games above 500, though. Yeah, and they're only half a game out of the wild card right right now. So are they underperforming? Yes, they're underperforming. Do they still have a chance to you know, get in the playoffs and do some damage. Yeah, but I, I still, to me, their pitching is just not being It's great. not where it needs to be. No. And as Bradford mentioned, you got Baltimore. Baltimore is 77 and 47. That's incredible. Mm. And they have the number one farm system in the game, and they have the number one prospect in the game in Jackson Holiday. Things are going to get pretty good for them for a while. Should be. It'll be interesting for me to see what they do to try to lock up and which guys they do lock up to stay in Baltimore. Do they take the Braves approach? I, I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's how you'd have to do it because they're, they're already talking about rehabbing Camden Yards to try to maximize every single dollar that they can to, to stay competitive. Yeah. I mean, when you're in a division with the Yankees, you know, Toronto's going to spend some money. Red Boston, Sox. you know. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay's got a great business model that works. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a tough division, man. Tough. But I, I don't I, I do agree with that idea. If you're gonna lock up guys, you better lock them up and know that they're gonna be I mean, you gotta be really secure. If you're gonna lock up that many players like the Atlanta Braves have to say yeah, you that, better be sure. Man, oh man, because yeah. if you miss on two of them, that's three of them. Of, yeah, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> a lot of years. I mean, too. that's Paul DeYoung contract times three. That's seventy-five to a hundred million dollar deal, right? Over six to seven years, and then all of a sudden you're stuck. You better be right with the kind of guys that you invest in, and I'm sure they will be on some of these guys. But I don't think they're gonna keep all of them. They, no. they can't. No, they can't, can't afford it. Yeah. Boy, you're right about the hurlers, though. Two words: Alec Manoa. Yikes. I know that poor guy, man. I don't even know what happened there. I mean, pitchers get into these situations. We've seen great pitchers before. Uh, not necessarily get the yips. I mean, we've seen that, but he's still a young guy, though. Like, he's still got a lot of ability. He's still got a lot of time left to kind of figure things out, but that that's a weird story. It's so hard to watch that. Steve Blass is the guy that I think it was in 72 or 73. He was with the Pirates. He was really good, and he got the yips. And it, it was just like it, it's it, you turn away from your television watching it. And Keel, when he got him, uh, Ank is the one locally here that people remember. Yeah, for sure. that's the one that comes to mind. You know, there are guys. I'm not going to say it was, but there was a guy that we had here in St. Louis, a position player that had it, and it was hard to watch. And I knew he had it. I didn't talk about it on the air. Tough to watch. I mean, yeah. it, and and you know, 
And Ribs, I mean, you being a pro athlete, you know, mentally, the game is, even when you're right, if you feel physically, mentally right, the game is so hard. Uh-huh. And then you add in that and the mental anguish that you go through. I mean, this this particular individual couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep because he couldn't throw the ball. And when he did, it was it looked a little odd, but you wouldn't know. I, unless you knew what was going on, the casual fan did not know. It's hard to watch, and you know that he's just battling every single day just to throw a baseball, something he's done with ease and regularity since he's been a kid. That's hard to watch, man. What kind of – do they have yips in hockey? Is there anything that has um, an equivalent? For a goalie, probably. Yeah. You know, goalie starts getting beat to a certain, certain area, area. That's what I was whether thinking. it's five hole or high glove, and then you're in his head nonstop, right. and then the goalie can't – you know, it seems like every time he's turning around, team's scoring in right. that spot. So, for players, I mean, the game of hockey has so many moving parts that it's, it's tough a, to kind exactly. of isolate it. That's why I think the goaltender position might be the only one where you kind of have something yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But even the, the game is so fast that it's hard. It'd be so hard to pick up. You would just say that's a weak spot in his in his game. Yeah, or he made a mistake or he had a, something's going on in that particular play. Or, yeah. You, you, there are certain tendencies that you pick up from a guy, like if he's if he's having trouble turning one way or exactly. the other, or whatever, but it's not it's too hard to define it as like a yep. And then the team can say, well, it's a physical issue. He's having trouble moving whatever, laterally, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you know, he lost an edge. Exactly, <laughs> happened a lot. He's losing his edge on the left side a lot. <laughs> Trainer's gotten fired. <laughs> Guys, another American League East stalwart that has to have a hard time just coming to terms with what's going on right now. The Yankees, the Bronx Bombers are no more. They dropped their eighth straight yesterday afternoon. You know, Giancarlo Stanton looks downright old. Carlos Rodon right now, you've received, what, three or four starts out of him. I believe he's slated to return to the rotation tomorrow, but he's been ineffective to this point. The list really goes on and on. Rate... The skipper there, Aaron Boone, his chances of survival. Is it a given? Well, I don't know. So here, here's where I get a little... have a better finish, I would think. Yeah, and Aaron Boone has been... I think he's leading the league in being kicked out of the game, too. Yeah. Like, he's got like four or five ejections, I think. That just screams to me that... like Desperation. He's, he's lost it a yep. little bit. And not just like, oh, he's losing. No, he's like lost his grip on what's going on with yeah. the team and... and and things like that. So I think if there's a hot seat at all, Aaron Boone is on the hot seat for sure. Yeah, I would say he's on the hot seat. You'll have guys that pop up before this season is over that'll be on the hot seat. Um, it's Boy, that's tough to justify eight straight losses. And in the American League East, let me look it up. They're in last place. They're 17 out. They're six behind Boston. That's another problem that you have. You can't lose to Boston or finish behind them. Um, and you have no end in sight right now with what's going on there. So, yeah, he'd be a candidate, one of those guys that uh, you'd look at and say, maybe we need a fresh start. If they're not going to do anything with Brian Cashman, and by all counts, ownership is not going to do that, um, then you do look at the manager at times, and he's had a long leash. And so, oh, yeah. and expectations are so, so high, so high in New York. Every year you're supposed to be in the playoffs, at minimum in the playoffs, if not the World Series. Every year, because they spend a ton of money. Yesterday afternoon, the native son, Max Scherzer, didn't exactly offer a tour de force performance, but he did move up to number 11 all-time on the career strikeouts list. 
Mixed results so far in Texas by way of New York, of course, this season, gentlemen. But if the playoffs were to start right now and you are at the helm of this Texas team, you are Bruce Bochy. Do you not almost feel a little more comfortable giving the ball to Jordan Montgomery? No. 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 Give me Max Scherzer with <laughs> yeah. a game on the line. Season on the line, he could be 65 years old, and I'd ask him to take yeah. the ball. I mean, this is why you got him, too. Exactly. This is why you pay him. I mean, look, it's not nothing against Monty. I think Monty's a good pitcher and whatnot, but when the Texas Rangers are creeping into the playoffs or once they get in there, it, the ball has to go to match. Oh, shoot. he's your game one starter. He's, got like you be. said, that's why you got yeah. him. Um, it does make me think, man, that's one that got away here in St. Louis. And hindsight oh, Dan, 2020. Don't go poking the bear here, my goodness. Look at the uh, the war for Max Scherzer in Washington. It's incredible. Still may be the tops on their team franchise history. I mean, that was money well spent. I get it. 250 or whatever it was is a lot for a pitcher. And you blow out a shoulder and it's over. I get it. But, man, oh, man, was he good. And still is good. He's why you got him. He's a stud. That was the equivalent of a clickbait tease, I understand. We're moving on. We're moving back to the Central Division in the National League. So Cincinnati has promoted yet another top prospect, the infielder Noveldi Marte, even as a modest slump is continuing there in the Queen City. Were these Reds, come August and September, always destined to stumble given just how many of the phenoms are in that lineup? Didn't have the pitching. Yeah, the pitching. And with the youth, you also get... Uh, inconsistency. Yeah. And so now, it's you, fun to watch them. Hey, to your question, though, about would you take the model of locking guys up, like you were saying with the Atlanta Braves? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of those guys I'd try right now and lock them up. In, in, by all accounts, Cincinnati's not going to go on the free agency market and spend a lot of money. No. So take your homegrown guys and say, this may be the way that we have to win. And we're going to take a flyer. We're going to take a chance on some that might be on the cusp of whether or not we feel comfortable doing it. Other guys were comfortable doing it, like the cruise kid. I mean, fine. Give him the money. That guy's pretty good. He's pretty good. And believe in him. But that may be the model for those kind of teams to win. Or you just do the Tampa Bay model and ride them out until they hit free agency and then say, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Which might happen. You might be able to do that, too. Yeah. All right, that was your MLB news and notes. Coming up next, we're going to get into some NFL football. Mm, My favorite. Yeah, baby. NFL news and notes coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Danny Mack in for Anthony Stalter. Our guy Bradford Burns in for Andrew Marsh. It's time for NFL news and notes. Some news and notes from around the gridiron, gentlemen. So first and foremost, Aaron Rodgers hasn't played in the preseason since 2018. What a huge shocker, right? News well, and notes. Well, news. News, news and, yeah. Yes, yeah. and notes. I got it. Okay. And tidbits and assorted, yes, anecdotes like that. Like Rodgers is going to be back in the fray against the Giants in the team's preseason finale more to the point however as we get closer and closer to the regular season the ceiling for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets after a rocky 2022 is he still capable of being an upper echelon quarterback in the National Football League Aaron Rodgers I just want to go back this is news and notes (laughs) Bradford I don't know if you're aware you said something different I did not enunciate well enough (laughs) 
<laughs> admittedly. I thought we were going to rare for me. Quite honestly, I thought we were going to talk about Brett Favre the way you let in with that. <laughs> that was awesome. It's all good though. All right, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, of course he still has the ability to be a quarterback that uh, makes a difference in this league. I mean, you watching Hard Knocks, by the way? Not yet. I haven't oh, had a chance to catch up. He becomes likable, oh, in my opinion. I know. I've heard this. I, I think he's likable, man. I, I, I think like he'd look that. as a. I want as, him to be unlikable. Hey, is I uh, is I. <laughs> <laughs> it's still I know as I watch this thing I, I'm sitting there going you know what if that was my teammate I kind of like him you know what he's making a point like one of the things that he's doing he's apparently he makes a point like at lunch or dinner or whatever to sit with a new teammate every time just to get to know him I like that yeah and they, they got him mic'd up you know behind the scenes now he's savvy don't get me wrong. I'm wondering how much he of is this savvy. is like you've been around it forever. Hollywood I too. For oh, him. he is he's savvy. And so he's putting on a show. Mm. But I still think he comes off as a likable guy. All right. I I said to uh, Anthony, I said they're going to they he's going to have a huge year. Before yeah. any of this stuff. Get him out of Green Bay, new scenery, you know. Get him a fresh start. Look at News and notes, <laughs> and things are going to be great. Read up, yeah. He, um, yeah. Look, he's he, MVP. What two seasons ago? So, I know he's getting older, and sometimes back to back too. Sometimes things drop off, but I think that they've put a pretty good team around him here in New York. And I, I personally don't feel like the Jets are going to do uh, the amazing things that a lot of the people are expecting out of them. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a pretty good year. Would you like him as your teammate? To be determined. So, what what would annoy you as a as a teammate, as a guy that is the face of the franchise? Yeah, which he is yeah. now. I mean, it's happened overnight. You don't make that deal without him becoming the face of your franchise. As a pro athlete, what would bother you, or what would you want out of him? Well, one, I just want him to perform. Like he's a period. He, yeah, just go out there and do your job first right. of all. Uh, and as far as all the other stuff's concerned, yeah. He's gotten a little weird for me over the last, you know, three to four years with all the stuff that's gone on. Was it the isolation chamber yeah, the or something? darkness, which wasn't really darkness. It was like a hotel room that was located, like, underground. But he had the lights on. He had periods of darkness. Okay. So I'll, so just all don't that. Don't care. Just just I, put up numbers, yeah, baby. I don't really care. To, to be a good teammate, just go out there and do your job and don't piss me off. Do you get annoyed, though, with guys that were always looking for the cameras? Yeah. 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 Were you and, one of those guys? No. No. Rivs? I wasn't looking for the cameras. You sure? He's positive. Trust me. Okay. Were no. they looking for you? Well, that's probably happening. Okay. No. What happened on this play? Or <laughs> No, they weren't looking for me. Do you see that? Remember the names that were in the lineup? They weren't looking for me. I was trying to think. The 96 team was, let's see, Hull, Fuhrer, Glenn Anderson, Pronger, McKinnis. I mean, those are just a few off the top Gretzky. of my head. And I was going to get to that guy. 99 uh, was there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Duchesne. Good player. Pretty good player. Um, God, what did Turge get here? Tony Twist, seven ninety eight. Yeah, Turge, Turge came in ninety seven. I yeah. believe we had a lot of guys that you know. Quite honestly, the camera would rather find than than Jamie, Jamie Rivers. Rivers. Yeah, <laughs> you were just taking it all in, just fine in the background. I'm good over here, guys. I uh, I I was looking at. I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching Hard Knocks. They need to do this with baseball, although they won't. I bet the Players Association would put the Kai Bosch on it, but they need to do something like this in spring training and follow a team. They do it in hockey. Yeah. 
I mean, no, hockey they, does a great job with it. A lot it. of teams do their own independent stuff now, too. They bring you behind the scenes. To, hockey's done a real good, a, a much better job of getting their product out. There. I think it's good. I, I saw the one, I think it was on the Maple Leafs. I've also seen the, the, the ones that lead up to the winter game, yeah. the winter classic. Yeah. Those are well done. Yep, they are. I mean, any kind of access you can give a fan. And they got the playoffs now where they follow one team through the playoffs and whatnot. Yeah. So. Anytime you give access to a fan behind the scenes, something they can't read or see on the internet, it's, you know, or see on their local news, that's what you want. I agree. All right. All right. What else you got? Scary situation over the weekend in Wisconsin, the old stomping grounds for Aaron Rodgers, preseason affair between the Patriots and the Packers. The rookie cornerback, Isaiah Bolden, was immobilized, taken off on the stretcher, just released, according to multiple reports, from an area hospital yesterday after being struck by a teammate, a collision in the course of that game. Another frightening set of circumstances, guys. And again, we're not that far removed from what we observed, of course, just a few short months ago to Mar Hamlin. Yeah, I, I saw the play happen, and then he was laying there, and you just never like to see that. Like, when the players on the field know when something's wrong, and then when you're watching them kind of, you know, motion for the doctors or the trainers and, you know, standing there, it, it's, a it's a tough thing to look at, knowing that these guys, like, there's, a, there's an athlete that's struggling at that Were you point. Were you there when Prongs went down yeah. in Detroit? Oh, yeah. I was, too. And he, I mean, he was purple. That was scary. I was there, oddly enough, both times in Joe Lewis. I was there yep. for Prongs, and I was there when Yuri Fisher dropped on the bench. <sighs> so, yeah, a lot, it's scary, and that's why I'm saying, like, players know right away. when, Like, when somebody doesn't look right, you know. And so, scary moment last night. Apparently, he's out of the hospital today. Did we find out what happened? Is it Was it a concussion? Was it something far greater? He temporarily lost all sensation. I think further investigation is still underway as far as underlying causes, reasons there. But, yeah, just alarming. What was it like as a player, though? I mean, you didn't want to continue to play, did you? So with the Yuri Fisher situation, we didn't continue I, play. I'm saying with Prongs, though. Yeah. Prongs, they put, put him on the stretcher. I was right there yeah. when they brought him out, and they continued to play. And I'm like, man, oh, man. It's playoffs, you know. I know. Like, and at the time, you know, Prongs was at least coherent, you know. Like, yeah, I think he, he gave the thumbs up. Yeah, he, I don't remember if he gave the thumbs up or if he gave, like, a wave or something. But he was some. He was coherent enough to where they were like, oh, okay, like, He's, He's out of the woods here now. Yeah. Now we got to monitor him. I mean, he played the next game. Right. So obviously things, you know, it was one of those moments that the one in a billion chance that it hit him in the chest area at the same time as his heart was beating and then therefore, you know, all right, that right. stuff. I'm not smart enough to totally describe it, but that's essentially what happened. But with Yuri Fisher, when all that happened, they had to bring, you know, the ambulance out onto the ice and the like they cut his shirt terrible. open. It was crazy. And Steve Eiserman came in. I remember Bill Daly was at the game. And Steve Eiserman came in and said, Bill, we're not playing this game. He's like, why? Well, and he says, Bill, we're not playing this game. Figure it out. And that was it. That was it. Yep. Steve Eiserman had spoken. And that was it. That was it. Stevie Y does it. That's enough. Uh -huh. All right. That was your NFL news and notes. We're going to get into what's trending next here in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. It's a Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. It's time for What's Trending with our guy Bradford. Jamie, we are T-minus 60 minutes from the Major League debut of Drew Rahm. He is set to take the hill this evening in Pittsburgh for the opener of a three-game set against the Pirates. Drew Rahm in the mix from the left side, making his MLB debut. Realistic expectations for Rahm tonight. He starred at the AAA level. What do you anticipate seeing from him in the bigs? Well, my expectations are seven scoreless innings, about seven or eight strikeouts. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sitting, le- I'm not sitting the bar too high. I mean, no, not at all. Being realistic. That's realistic. Matter of <laughs> fact, a little low. <laughs> I hear, do I hear complete game? <laughs> you want a complete? You want a CG in the major well, league debut with a guy that's throwing ninety now. with an ERA of five in a year of AAA baseball? I am with you though. Why not do it? Six innings is a new complete game, Danny. It is pretty much. You get through six, five, and fly. You're my guy. It's twenty five million. Um, let's see. What do you What do you think is realistic? Oh man, I don't know. I'm so uh, intrigued and perplexed about this pitcher just based on the fact that. His velocity hovers around 90 for his fastball, and he's a swing and miss pitcher. I I don't know. I'm anxious to watch him pitch. I'm excited to see it. Realistically, I'd like him to get through four innings. Okay, four I'm going to go five. Two earned runs. Okay, I'm going to go five okay. with three earned. Okay. <laughs> Both of us are saying he ain't going very deep no. in the game. Yeah. Well so, said. Yeah. Um, so I'm going five. Three earned, you're going four and two earned. two earned. Okay. So if you get anything remotely resembling Dakota Hudson's turn from yesterday, you take it and run with it because that's very comparable. What did he do Numbers yesterday? Numbers wise, what yeah, did, yeah. Five Dakota plus do? five plus two runs. Two, okay. And yeah, number of hitters, but was Seven able to leave yeah, in and out of trouble. Yeah. So maybe a little too lofty there, but you take anything in the ballpark. I'll take some. Yeah. Listen, you, if, if you approached the starts with Zach Thompson with a certain pitch number in mind, I think you kind of have to do that with some of these young guys coming up. I don't necessarily think you just hang them out there to dry. Let them go four innings. If he's still pumping out pretty good and the pitch count isn't too high at that point, his stuff's still playing, give him the fifth inning. And kind of, if I'm Ollie Marmel, I'm just starting to see, I'm going to monitor when the wheels start to fall off a little bit here. And I'd like to get ahead of that just so that if he is pitching pretty well, I don't want it to end up being something of a disaster just because I left him in there too long. I, I, they won't let him get to that point. No way. I, I think, though, if he's if he gets through five and then any sign of trouble, he gone. Yeah. That's the way I would look at it because they're, they're going to make sure it's a, an experience as, as much as they can do it, make it a, a an experience that is a positive note. Now, that could be three innings and go. Could be five and go, but any sign of like getting battered around there ain't going to happen. I, I just don't, they would not do that in his major league debut. So I don't know. I mean, expectations at this point, I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah. Bring him up, see what you got. He's pitched well in the last couple of starts in the minors and let it rip. 
One of the chief individuals tasked with backing up Rom this evening, Mason Wynn, once again playing shortstop, hitting ninth in the order. And before Saturday's contest against the Mets, the Cards hitting coach Turner Ward was consulted about how it is to have to acclimate to the big leagues. This is a topic that we explored quite a bit earlier in the program, and this is what Ward had to say to Bally Sports Midwest. Work with what he's doing, how he's preparing first. Uh, the pitcher's going to tell him what he needs to work on. I mean, the league is going to expose things and sometimes you don't know that until you know so it's all about making the adjustments up here how they're going to pitch him what where some of the holes are that they're trying to expose and then trying to work on those things Dan, Jamie, the operative word here, we used it earlier in the proceedings, excitement. And if nothing else, in all likelihood, whether it's this series versus Pittsburgh, whether it's down the line, elsewhere in the road trip, whether you're talking about beating out an infield hit, making one of those plays deep in the hole, firing off that cannon, Mason Wynn, enthusiasm, leaps and bounds right now. And that's what I think a lot of people around this region to which they're looking forward. Yeah, they should be. Youth. We've, we've read about this guy. We've watched him. We, we've, you know, we heck, we've watched him play this weekend. There's, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Well, I think if you're watching the game, you stop at at certain guys that come up. You yeah. know, if you're just kind of passing through and the game is on, you go, ooh, I'm gonna watch that. I'd watch that. I'd watch his at bats. I'd watch this young kid throwing tonight just to see something different and what has been a, a brutal season. Just something different. And you've heard so much about him. You've heard so much about Walker. Prior to that, it was, you know, Nolan Gorman, these guys. Anytime a guy that you you have fanfare around and they finally get the call up, you stop and watch. And then at some point, you're going to be like, yeah, he's part of the everyday team and I'm not watching. Or if they're playing well, I'm watching. Yeah. But right now, he, he makes you stop and watch. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. And I, I'm, listen, and, Turner Ward's 100% right. The the league will tell you what his flaws are because the other teams will start to expose that. And then it's up to your own staff, too, to start monitoring. And they are. I know they are. Just, you know, what is giving him trouble while he's at the plate, what pitches he's struggling to recognize, what he should be laying off of, what he isn't laying off of. All of this stuff. Look, he's going to be building up his portfolio, so to say, his scouting report over the next you know month or so month and a half but yeah i mean the league will humble you and then it's up to you to make your adjustments and if you don't adjust you won't be here that's right it's that simple Mm -hmm. take it to the pitch specifically city park where sc has developed quite the home field advantage of late last night a six to three triumph over austin guys this team now nine three and one in home matches a seven point lead in the western conference and although the season the mls regular season just resumed following leagues cup action we talked a little bit about Messi and company inter miami earlier in the show the excitement level there for what is to come in the next couple of months this team has not faded despite that slate of injuries a month or so ago team is once again looking strong the offensive firepower has long been there throughout the course of this season but right now the resilience when a lot of the pundits and the prognosticators maybe expected the team to start to fall back to the pack fall back a little bit sc continuing to defy some expectations yeah they are they the whole season has been a success in a, in a big way but the home field advantage is real you know taylor twelman comes on here with the balloon party with tim mckernan and he literally described that going into the playoffs if city sc can maintain their number one spot and maintain that that home field advantage come playoff time it's a massive 
thing here. The, the fans of City oh, SC here in St. Louis are are phenomenal, but they have created the home field advantage, big time. Yeah, yeah. Home pitch, the home advantage. pitch. Oh, pitch. Please. Have you been to a game yet? No, I haven't. And I'm, so I got offered a chance to go to a game the other night um, by a friend of mine, Danny, who's a retired military guy. He's just a phenomenal dude. He plays hockey for the St. Louis Warriors team. And uh, got to meet those guys, play with them on their team when we're doing the alumni fantasy camp. And just, I mean, can't say enough about the, all of these guys. He threw out the invite to me, but I had another commitment that night. So I made him promise me that uh, the next time he had some tickets to let me know because I'm dying to go, man. Yeah. I went to a soccer game in Moscow, Russia. That was an experience. I'll tell I you bet. that much. Um, but I'm, I'm wanting to go back again here in St. Louis because the energy and what I'm told like is just fantastic. Oh, it's incredible. Um, my kid went to the game last night and it was a school night. Still let him go. That's the kind of dad I am. Let him How go. How old is he? Oh, he's 14. Okay, okay. <laughs> so he, he could handle it. <laughs> Not all <laughs> heroes wear capes, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, they're did still I, consulting the syllabi this early, like such right? A good guy. <laughs> such a great guy. <laughs> such a great dad. Well, how old is he? 14. Yeah. Hey, he would have been he's up. He's 23. <laughs> <laughs> 32 living in our basement. But I let him go to the soccer yeah, game. He asked for permission to go to the game. I gave him $5. <laughs> How old is he? 22? No problem. I gave tickets to him. I'll let wife. you do it this one time. So he, he went and he, I mean, he's gone to so many games, man. He comes home. He just loves it. He, I, he, he now he plays soccer. He plays yes. at a high level. He, he loves it. And uh, but he comes down, he comes back. He's like, Dad, it is so loud down there. It is just he goes, it was really hot, but it was so loud. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Is so uh, that's, that's one the of the other things part of it. that plays into this is I think a lot of people who are watching City SC, you know, throughout the beginning of the season said, Man, it's going to get really hot. Yeah, and the way you guys play, the pace of play, and all that, like maybe this is going to affect this team. So far, it hasn't. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked that they're this good. So this I, early, I, I I didn't you know no I'm not a, of, quite uh, yeah I'm not a soccer expert but I do know expansion teams usually aren't very good. No, the only one team I think that's had lumps. success it was Atlanta FC. Yeah, had success to where they had a really good year their inaugural season. Right, it's it's great. It's great for the town. It's great. All right, that was what's trending with our guy Bradford. Uh, coming up next here in the fast lane, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ryan Helsley and the Cardinals bullpen and just uh, all things Cardinals, quite honestly. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Danny Mack, Bradford Bruns on the dials for us today. Uh, all right, so Ryan Helsley, this has been an interesting year, season for Ryan Helsley. Um, he has, let's see here, he, he's been on the IL for most of the season, and recently he's been sent down to get some, some rehab games in, in his stint. Um, and he's, it hasn't gone well for him. I'm not talking about his results because I, I, the results when you go down for a rehab stint, it is what it is. You're trying to get the guy back to normal so he can take the ball to major league level. 
Problem is, is that his forearm is flared up again. And it seems like there's been a couple of different weeks in a row now to where the forearm kind of flares up and then it goes away and everything's fine. Then it flares up again and then everything's fine. What do we make of this situation with Ryan Helsley? How much of a how much of a difference maker is he for the Cardinals if he's healthy? And how much of an impact does this have on your bullpen right now, not having a guy like Ryan Helsley? I think it'd be it's even further if he's healthy, it's when he wants to pitch. I mean, even when he's been healthy, he doesn't take the ball. Yeah. You know, he's back-to-back days are always in question. Three out of four, you're not going to get him. Two out of three, maybe. And, you know, you, you want to have a stable guy in the back end that you say, I can go to him and game is over, and I can count on him just about every night. Now, there are certain times when relievers, you know, they're off limits. Like, I, I can't go to that guy again. We've, we've just used him too much, and mm. it's in his best interest and ours, looking down the road, not to use him tonight or tomorrow. So give him a couple of days. But, you know, his inability to go back-to-back would, would scare me. You know, in terms of, like, do I want to give him a long-term deal? Do I want to lock him up with multi-year deal? i I got to be able to count on a guy that I can give the ball to. And if he doesn't want the ball because he's trying to yeah. be careful with it, I, I get it. He throws 102 miles an hour. There's not many of those guys out there like isn't that. Isn't his job to pitch? Of course it is. <laughs> so that's the question internally you have to ask yourself. Is that is this the right guy for this role that we're expecting him to pitch in? So to, to dive into it a little deeper, you know they've done some MRIs and some imaging and, and a bunch of scans, and, and this was just in the past week, and showed no structural damage. So it lends me to think exactly about what you just mentioned is I'm wondering if when he's going down for these rehab stints, he takes the ball for one day, but then doesn't want to take it for the next day. Just uh, forearms or doesn't feel hundred percent flared up. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's not flared up. Maybe it is, but I don't know how many times I've heard from multiple baseball players, retired players, people in the game of baseball that, you know, you're going to play through some injury. You're going to play oh, yeah. through some soreness. There's 162 games for these guys. Now, I understand relievers and pitchers are in 162 games, but nonetheless, like, you're going to have some bumps, bruises, some strains here and there. Like At some point, you have to muscle through this a little bit. Yeah, and at that position where you're asking them to be the closer, you know, there's, there's going to be times where you you don't have a lot in the tank. And you're not feeling great, and there you need a series win, or you need a game that you have to win, and you've got to take the ball. And I, I'm not sure that at this point that they feel comfortable with him saying, "I'm going to take the ball," you know, when you need me. I mean, there are times over the last couple of years that he just said, "I'm I'm not available," just flat out, "I'm not available." That's just amazing to me, by the way. Yeah, I couldn't imagine if like, oh, I don't know, Scotty Bowman came to me and was like, uh, "Hey." Uh, gonna you know you're gonna play tonight ah just not feeling quite right yeah i'm not available tonight scotty i think guys in that position are so careful because the money is so big and they don't want to jeopardize injury and i I understand understand that i understand that but it doesn't mean i have to like it and i also I, i agree and i also think he's unique i mean the guy that throws that hard there's a lot of torque on the on the shoulder the elbow those kind of things so you're gonna have the potential of injury Everybody's got potential of injury. But from an organizational standpoint, you have to say, I have to rely on somebody in the back end of my games. You know, bullpens, generally speaking, are the hardest to figure out year to year. Guy has a good year in 22, he's bad in 23. Bad in 23, comes back and he's very good in 24. 
but you do want to have a couple of constants, um, you know, that you can rely on. And I'm not so sure that he would be one that at this point you'd say, if he's healthy, I can count on him. But can I count on him is to the amount of time that I want him to pitch. And I'm not sure they they can say that right now. And to a larger point across Major League Baseball, Dan, I think so many different organizations are really encountering the exact same problem. You have, with maybe the exception of, say, a Baltimore this year, somebody like a Felix Bautista who has really come on, taken the reins and grabbed hold of that role. Right now, a lot of different clubs have to mix and match or by choice have proceeded to mix and match at the back end of games. But for the Cardinals, what makes this situation situation different and everybody wants to be tantalized yet by what we saw just 13 months ago ryan helsley was in the all-star game in los angeles firing 103 miles per hour but when you look at next year's roster construction right here on august the 21st i understand we spend so much time thinking about the different permutations in the rotation who's going to be filling out the starting five how many guys are you going to go out and get in free agency well, the same abundance of questions relate to the bullpen, if not more so. Oh, you yeah. have, I mean, right now locked in, okay, you have Giovanni Gallegos. You think that he's going to be receiving a lot of high leverage situations. But speaking of workload, look at what has happened to him in the second half of the season. The question marks abound, and they don't relate solely to Ryan Helsley, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, there's lots of question marks. When you have 25 blown saves as an organization, that's not a positive thing. But I will say this. For me, it, it circles back to the fact that your rotation uh, hasn't been able to provide some innings. of the innings yeah. that are needed. And your bullpen has been taxed. From, when you start the season as bad as you do with your rotation, you've got guys going two innings, one inning, three innings, and you're already into your bullpen. Those guys, those guys aren't built for as many innings or as many pitches as that they've had to throw out there. Yeah, and it seems like more than ever, now you're going to your bullpen way more than you used to. Mm -hmm. Just the way the game is trending to where third time through a lineup, analytics tells you to get the starter out. So what's that mean? You're going to your bullpen, you're relying on those guys to have, you know, sometimes multi-inning appearances. That's why you, you have to have depth in your minor league system, too, to be able to call some of these guys up. And we talk a lot about, I mean, it'd be interesting to look at how many guys they've called up this year just to pitch in their bullpen. It's a lot, yeah. you know, just to cover the innings because their starters just haven't gone deep. That's, That's just the way it's been. It's a problem, for sure. So I think the Cardinals in the offseason, you know, John Mosellock has already talked about needing to acquire three starting pitchers. I, I would even go with four and the last guy could be maybe maybe swing the last man. Guy, swing man exactly yeah. that you can kind of plop here and there a double header he gets a start every now and then but you're going to need somebody who can eat some innings out of the bullpen or more than one guy that can eat some innings out of the bullpen if this is the way the game is trending the five and dive if that's kind of where we're headed then your bullpen as crazy as this sounds they're going to have to be stretched out those guys are going to have to be able to pitch multiple innings and the problem with that is then you you hit you hit a patch of games where you know the pitcher you know maybe falls off the rails now you're going to the bullpen even earlier and more often and that's how your bullpen just gets burnt out and that's I think that's where the Cardinals are at right yeah. now yeah and the other thing with Helsley too a lot of times they would try to use him in multi innings like like an inning and a third yeah. if the game was on the line cuz knowing that he's not going to take the ball the next day yeah, so, they eat up all his pitches in exactly. one shot. Yeah, yeah, all one fell swoop, and that's how they approached dealing with him. He's a unique talent. I mean, he's a very talented uh -huh. guy. Don't get me wrong, but um, 
you know, you, you got to be able, though, to be able to go to those guys at the back end of the pen. One or two guys should be available and ready to roll that night. Well, we'll find out uh, how Ryan Helsley continues to do with his rehab stint. Hopefully he gets healthy enough to get back here to the Cardinals before the end of the season. Um, but we've got uh, Beat the Streak coming up next. We have a returner for that. And we also have our biggest question of the day. All that coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here with our guy Danny Mack and Bradford Bruns. It's time for Beat the Streak, and our guy John is back with us today. John has a six-game streak going. John, how we doing, bud? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I'm not six games good, but my gosh, man, keep it going, buddy. It's just six. Just six so far. <laughs> just so far. I like that. Modest. All right, John. Uh, you know the deal. You know the routine. You've been hot at this game here so far. Who's your horse to get a base hit tonight? Uh, I was a little torn today, so I'm just going to play a little strategy. I'm going to go with the away team to oh. guarantee myself nine innings. And I'm going to go leadoff spot with Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. All right. So John's got Tommy Edmond. All right. Uh, Danny Mack slash Anthony Stalter. Goldie. Up next. Goldie. You son of a Did guy. I take yours? No. He took mine. I was going to go Tommy Edmund. Yeah. All right, so you got Goldie? Yeah, I'll go Goldie. All right, Danny yep. Mack. Goldie never works out for Jamie Rivers. No, he doesn't. No. Goldie has a personal issue with me, I think. I don't know why, but he every time I pick really? him, he goes What happened? Up. I don't know. We'll have to talk to Paul about it. Have you talked to him at all? I've tried. I talked to him several times. Have you? He doesn't talk back to me. No kidding. No. Ignores me. Would you give him a piece of your mind? No, I think he's a great baseball player. He is a hell of a baseball player. What am I going to tell him that he's going to care about? Well, he'd listen in. A couple pro athletes (laughs) just... He would uh, listen until I started to get off the rails. chopping it up. Then he'd be like, this guy's a (laughs) ditty. What the hell is this guy doing here? What is this guy doing? All right. Bradford, you're up. Tyler O'Neill elevated in the lineup tonight. Gentlemen will have more opportunities, it would seem, to quite literally muscle up in Pittsburgh. Got a bit of a... Yes. Bit of a respite over the weekend. He's fresh. He's good to go against the lefty Bailey. What a duel between the Southpaws tonight. And it's not turf in Pittsburgh, so that's good news. Ah. That's what are you saying? Oh, no. I mean, just it's good news, Dan. That's all. Not AstroTurf. That's right. So it means he's going to play on grass. Yeah. That's what you're going with. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. That's uh, your Canadian brethren, too. I, you know what? Exactly why I have to hold him accountable. Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado way off the board here. Yeah. <laughs> right out of left field, old yeah, Nolan I mean, Arenado. That would pick him. Yeah. All right. To recap it here, our guy John, riding a six-game hit streak, went with Tommy Edmond. We got Danny Max slash Anthony Stalter going with Paul Goldschmidt. Our guy Bradford going with Tyler O'Neill, And I have picked Nolan Arenado. All right, John. Good luck, buddy. All you guys, too. Thank you. Thank you, you sir. Bet. Hopefully we'll see John back or hear John again tomorrow. He took right. my pick. I like Tommy. Sorry. Yeah. I like, I like you, Danny Mack. You're one of my favorites of all time. Oh, well, thank we you. I, I was saying I liked your pick. I like Tommy Edmond. Now I like you a lot. So thank you very much. <laughs> there we go. Appreciate it. You all right. Looking have a good one, John. Take tomorrow. care, bud. All right. Now it's time for Biggest it's Question. for the Fast Lane's Biggest Question of the Day. 
And the question this evening will be just how far will Drew Rom go and start number one as a major leaguer? But more specifically, guys, I'm intrigued by how the rest of this season is going to play out for the two lefties, whether you're talking about Rom versus Libertor, Matthew Libertor, of course, pushed back to Wednesday due to the bulky back. That is exactly why Rom is making his MLB debut tonight. So for the rest of August and September, more contributions are going to come from the left arm of Drew Rom or Matthew Libertor? Oof. Uh, I'm going to say Matthew Libertor. Yeah. Uh, I wish it, I wish he asked me this tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not being a jerk. I'm just saying because I, I, I really don't know what to expect from Drew Rom. If he goes out there and he's consistent and does okay, I, I would venture to say that Matthew Libertor's spot in the rotation could be at risk. Just because of how inconsistent it's been. I would say that because of where the team is and the fact that they want to see him pitch, Libertor is safer with the spot in the rotation. Good, bad, and different. They're going to throw him out there and say, all right, what do we got? But that, is that – do you do you mean even if Drew Rom goes out there and pitches well? Yes. Because Drew Rom is a high-level prospect too. And so you're He's almost – ERA over five, though, in AAA for the last year. So did Zach Thompson. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I – um. And if I'm Matthew Libertor, I better be really hurt not to pitch. I mean, they're giving you a shot right now to go out every fifth day. Don't look over your shoulder. Don't worry about your spot being taken. Go for it. We're not going to take you out. Go. So to the question, I would say that he'd have more of a chance. Time will tell. Like you said, maybe Rom goes out tonight and shoves, and you're not going to send him back down. You say, no, no, no. You've earned another spot Mm -hmm. uh, start, so go for it. Um but just as we speak right now, before that start, I'd say Libertor would have more chances. Again, I, if I'm Matthew Libertor, they'd have to pull me off the mound some way, somehow. I better be injured if I'm not going to be throwing. And this is kind of where, you know, I, I just get a little bit perplexed is like, you're a young guy who hasn't established yourself yet in the major leagues. Now, if you're really hurt and it's affecting, exactly. if it's affecting your game, then by all means, you're a pitcher. Yep. You can't go out you there and be careful. fake it. If he goes out there and in the first inning or second inning he just gets rocked, that's way, way worse than missing a start because he's been hurt. And, and maybe ribs they, they've been doing some things in between starts, like conditioning wise, training wise, to, yeah. to help him out. Maybe he did something in that. That's why he was ineffective in his last start. He was so good too before. But I think we're both in agreement, man. You better be really hurt not to be out there and pitching. I mean, if you're a veteran. I'll give you a good example. If, if I'm Miles Michaelis and I'm not feeling like great right now, I would say to, hey, can you give me a day? Give me a day or two. I'll be ready yeah. to go. He's earned that right. Libertor is fighting for his major league life mm-hmm. and what they think of him going into this offseason and beyond. You have a chance to make an impression here. Maybe you you start doing some things that they've been working on with you and you do it consistently for six weeks. Mm-hmm. That leaves them with a good taste in their mouth going into the offseason. Not saying they're going to do something different because of how you pitch, but they're going to look at you maybe a little bit differently, good, bad, and different. But show me. Show me why I should look at you in a different realm than maybe I am right now. Well, I look at it this way, too, and I was always very aware of, you know, what was going on in the organization around me. I had to be. You know, I was a depth guy on it's most. your job. It's your life. On most teams, and I was very aware of who the next call-up was, how they played, you know, how they would match up against the way I played, all this stuff. And I can tell you right now, Matthew Libertor, he has to be aware 
Uh, one of Drew Rom for sure. Two of Zach Thompson, what he's doing. I mean, he's sitting there right there watching his boy going out there and pitching pretty darn good right now. Then you got also be looking at all the young arms the Cardinals yeah. have. All the guys they just picked up at the trade deadline. Some of those guys are going to be, you know, major league ready to push at least to fight for a job come spring training. Tink Hens, where does he fall come spring training? You've got a lot of different guys now where if I'm Matthew Liberator, I've got to go out there and I have got to take that job and grab it and hold on and don't let it go. Absolutely. And you're going to have to rip the uniform off me, off this mound to get me away because this is my chance. I mean, you think about it too, Rivs. His time in, in the big leagues has been spot start, guy gets injured, things of that nature to where he probably, right or wrong, put a ton of pressure on himself to perform at a very high level for that particular game. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I don't want to go back down. Man, if I if I go out here and give him seven or eight, make it tough for them to send me back down, you know, I, I could do this. That's human nature. You know that. So now they're saying, essentially, every fifth day you're going to get the ball and you can get blown up and we're going to put you back out there. And So don't look over your shoulder. Go relax and pitch. We, we believe in you. Yep. Now go show it. And then you're you're getting pushed back a day or two. I I don't know. I I just don't, I don't like that. You get, you got to take the ball. Show me you want to take the ball. I couldn't agree more. And like I said, there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of people chasing him right 100%. now. One hundred percent. A lot of these young guys that are hungry to take this opportunity from him. And a lot of guys that aren't on this team right now that will be. A hundred percent. You know. So yeah. Be interesting to see how all that shakes out. Um, but yeah, again, Drew Rom on the bump tonight for the Cardinals in Pittsburgh. Um, we're at the end of the show, boys. We're at the end. So we're going to circle the wagons here. What's coming up next? We've got what you missed, criticisms, compliments, and anything else we think is worthy of discussion here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. We covered a lot of stuff today. We talked about Mason Wynn. Uh, we also covered some blues hockey. We had blues cues. Of course, we talked about Drew Rom and his first start for the Redbirds coming up. Uh, we also talked about uh, Mizzou, Eli Drinkwitz, his quarterback Eli. situation <laughs> down there in Columbia. Uh, we Eli. talked about Ryan Helsley Rhino. and uh, the fact that uh, he's still experiencing some forearm discomfort at times and, you know, what his future might look like. I also talked about our big, strong friend, Pete Alonzo, and what ding-dong he was for throwing the ball up big in the Petey. crowd. Yeah, Big Petey. <laughs> he threw in some <laughs> NFL news and notes as well. News um, and notes. And we talked about several different Cardinals things. You can yeah. catch all of that, by the way, if you missed it by downloading the podcast and the podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. How good is Bradford? He's great. He's awesome. Time for criticisms and compliments. Well, that's my compliment is that man right there does a hell of a job. I was trying to get that in there. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Good lead in. Much appreciated, gentlemen. Compliments of which we do have many, as a matter of fact. And this particular one comes from the 636 and goes directly to you, Dan. Always a great way to start one's week this Monday by hearing Danny Mac on 101 ESPN and specifically the fast lane. I think that some of the people are starting to maybe make that charge for petitioning you to have Matt Holiday like status. I don't know. Oh, I'm just I'm just what? saying. Cardinals Hall of Famer? No kidding. Wow. Oh, well, you Danny, know. Danny, take that. Man. 
yeah, there's zero chance of that happening. <laughs> it's uh, all good, though. Danny, we love having you, buddy. You know, it's that. always fun. It's good always to have fun. you come in here, and we have a good time. You too, buddy. Swan, who weighs in. I haven't been with you guys too many times, Jamie and Dan, but I know that Swan is a stalwart when it comes to giving that positive feedback, that positive yes. reinforcement. Well, this is good because Swan, as per usual, he liked the show today. The only problem is that this is actually his last day, last official day of summer. So best wishes oh, to Swan man. because he returns to SIUE. Of course, oh, it's tomorrow. Oh, man. Well, Swan is an Get avid. that degree, though. He's an avid listener. He participates both with the text line and on Twitter. He'll throw us questions and things on Twitter. Um, so, Swan, best of luck to you in your school year. We hope you keep listening. Uh, I wouldn't come to us for any homework help, that's for sure. But uh, nonetheless, Swan, thanks again, buddy. Only one criticism. And we had a bevy, as you mentioned at the top of the segment, Jamie, of news and notes-centric mm. segments. However, when I made a particular mm. tease in hindsight, tease, well I think uh, I think the audience was actually expecting something else, and mm. so it wasn't provided accordingly. Yeah, if you missed it, again, you can download that podcast and have mm. a listen. Or not. Our guy Bradford here uh, came back to us with the uh, NFL nudes and notes. Uh, expectations were certainly different at that point in <laughs> hey, time. Somebody said it was the fast lane... Uh, under dark, no, dark, dark nights with fast lanterns. After dark. After dark, thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm excited. Yeah, I bet <laughs> well, you are. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? I guess we'll find out. Actually, you do kind of send some out there when you do your uh, your uh, bikini pics and whatnot. I don't know oh, what it is. Oh, my speedo pick. Speedo pick. That is not a new, Dan. That is a very. No, it isn't. That is a. You're covered properly. Built for speed swimsuit. Sure is. Well, that's cute. It is. You, Thank you, you Mo. You know it is, Mo. You saw it. The hell. <laughs> Give him a blow. Well, maybe Easy not. Easy now. Either way, it is exciting. It's a great, great it's look that you have going. <laughs> Folks down in the Ozarks know Jamie's in the house when he shows up with that. <laughs> Speedo guys amongst He's us back. right now. Wait a minute, didn't I see you on a Blues game? What? No. That is a funny story, though, is when I was down in Mexico and I unveiled the uh, cheetah head, the cheetah print, cheetah face right yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, Got later, it. Later on that night, we were out at one of the clubs down at the resort and... Uh, somebody came up and was like, go Blues. I was Did like, they oh, really? no. You had been spotted. Yeah, literally and uh, figuratively. Good, good call, yeah, Cheetah. Yep. Uh, so they came over later and introduced themselves. Of course, people, you know, there's Blues fans all over the place. Oh, yeah. It was great. How cool was it when they won the Cup and you saw all the pictures of people with Blues gear everywhere across the world? Do you, do you ever see that? I mean, it was awesome. People on a vacation and yeah. wherever, you name it, some remote place, and they're wearing a Let's Go Blues shirt or something a like that. A lot of people adopted the Blues during that Stanley Cup run, too. I, I know there's a lot of friends and family up in Canada that during that playoff run, they were like, you know what? The Blues are our team. For whatever Is reason, that right? Yeah. They, well, they wanted the Blues, not the Bruins. Yeah. The that, Bruins are always six, popular. Get, get them out. Uh, in some places, specifically up in the Toronto, Montreal, Montreal area. They don't, yeah. Don't particularly like the bees. So the Blues are, are a team that people pulled for in 2019, and it's uh, awesome. You still see a lot of Blues paraphernalia, but no matter where I go, I feel like I run into somebody from St. Louis, um, whether it's Mexico or another city or you know whatever. People are everywhere, man. You, you kind of wanted the underdog to, you know, you think about it as a sports fan. At least I'm like this. I don't know if anybody else is, but when a team is in it for the first time, like a championship, and they've never won, I pull for that team. I want to see. Their, I want to see their city have. 
the fun that comes with a championship if they've never experienced it before. Yeah, it's, it's pretty always cool. a good time. Yeah. All right, again, the Cardinals play the Pirates tonight. Drew Rahm on the bump for the Cardinals. I think we're all kind of excited to see what he can do. You betcha. Mason Wynn will be out there again to catch all that uh, tonight. And we'll be back tomorrow. We got our guy Anthony Stalter, who's going to be back here running the ship. So you won't have to deal with my uh, problems or the things that I do wrong. Either way, I want you guys. Or me, all I won't to, be here. Danny Mack again. Thank yeah, you for coming you got it, in. Buddy. Appreciate it. Bradford. Thank you. Great job. My pleasure. Let's have a nice evening of good, clean fun. What do you say? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. That's it here from the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.